I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast, Justin Cuthbert back for maybe the most exciting show of the entire season. It is the 2021-2022 NHL season betting preview. Yes, we can do this legally now. We're going to have team totals, award props, futures, with none other than Yahoo Sport Canada's betting, fantasy, and DFS whiz, and the host of Late Night Hockey on YouTube. It's Steven Sahoyas, who appears to now be going by my preferred moniker for you, which is either Stevie Buckets or Stevie the Greek, based on what I'm seeing on Twitter. Stevie, is that do you have like an or, uh, Arizona Coyotes organizational reband going on for yourself right now? You know, we wanted to, I want, we wanted, like it's me and some other person. <laughs> it's myself. I'm, I'm included yeah. in this, Stevie. Uh, yeah, Cuthbert is, he gets, you know, 20% of all marketing related revenues. <laughs> but I, I just kind of thought I'd switch it up a little bit with the NHL season going. We got betting legalized in Canada. Just changed the name on there to Stevie. Got the Greek flag to a little shout out to the ethnicity. So, hey, take it how you want. Yes. Call me whatever you want. I've probably been called worse. So I'll take whatever you call me. You can't be a Steven in that type of shirt, Stevie. You are a Stevie <laughs> when you're wearing a button-up that colorful when I've got on this ratty sweater. Anyway, um, it is the best time of year to bet on sports. It's also the time of year where I am most likely, and I, by most likely, I mean guaranteed to have to put a deposit down into what was a legal sports book, and now a legal sports book because it's legal here in Canada. But with the NFL in full swing, college football full swing, MLB postseason around the corner, we got Ryder Cup, we got everything going on right now. And to invest my entire bankroll into what is my favorite gambling stream, which is the NFL futures or the NHL futures market, rather, got to have a little extra cash on hand. So yesterday, a deposit went in and 45 bets were made, Steve. Wow. 45 wow. NHL future, futures are in stone in the sports book and i'm hoping by the end of this by the end of this podcast you can help me make it at least 50 will you help me do that i'm here to help if you need five more bets we can get up to five more here okay i i'm sure that's not going to be a problem we might need no. to not even get through the atlantic division <laughs> yeah without getting those extra five bets but that's where we're going to start so we're going to go division by division we're going to do some make or miss the postseason awards you know, and then we'll do the, the normal futures division conference and Stanley cup. But I think it's, we got to go through, if we're going to do team totals, we probably should start with that and kind of have some analysis for every team as we go along here. And we had a little conversation on Twitter about the Atlantic division, where we will start. And a little theory that I had, which was that you could play the best five teams in that division, which I think we all know who they are, unless you're a, uh, or you're really down on the Montreal Canadians, but 
we think we know what the first five are. And if you played the unders on all five of those, I'm pretty sure you're going to win at least three, probably four. And I think you agreed with me on that three, no? I'm 100% with you. You've got four teams over 100 points, at least 100 points on the over-unders. Mm-hmm. And some of them are well over. Like, you look at the Leafs, they're, where they've, I've seen that number vary at a bunch of different spots, but 106 is what, what I saw that, which yep. to me is like, like that's a that's a high one, especially when you've got Boston at one hundred two point five, Tampa Bay at one hundred seven point five, and you got the Panthers at one hundred one point five, and then Montreal just a shade under ninety at eighty nine point five. Like you're gonna need these teams are gonna be taking points from each other for most of the season, right? You're gonna see a lot of divisional action, so not as much as last year, but you're still gonna see these teams playing each other frequently. I just don't see how all five can hit the over or, or at least the majority of them hit the over i think like you said you're hitting at least three or four on the under there and it's it just doesn't seem like it could be mathematically possible for more than that to even hit the over you know that's true i mean i, I think that's just the way it's lined i mean if you could play that uh i i do believe you'll be successful but the theory is a little bit uh i'm gonna be maybe not putting it to completely into uh, into effect here because there is one team that I am having a hard time getting around and playing the under on. And that's the Florida Panthers. I have them at 101.5 on the book that I'm playing. And I just feel like they're going to be, they were one of the top five best teams in the league last year. And I think they're going to be even better this year as not necessarily going to be presence trophy winners, but I just feel like they're a better team. That's going to have maybe an easier time getting to the, to the 100 point mark. So Florida is the one team that I might not do it for, and of course that will, you know, I won't play it. They'll go under and I'll end up winning two of four bets. And my good theory, I'll have completely wasted. I'm with you though, on the Panthers. I've got them hitting the over that again, we're same wavelength there. They're the only team I have of those top five hitting on the over the rest. I've got all got going under, but I like what they've done. Bill Zito. This guy is like King Midas. Everything he touches turns to gold brings in for last year, just a smashing success. You look at what he did to the defense as well, helped really bolster the depth of that defense. You bring in a guy, uh, Gustav Forsling, who's able to step in for Ekblad and do a decent job while Ekblad was out last year. I, I think Bill Zito is one of these guys. He went out and added Sam Reinhardt. You can pencil him in for 20-plus goals already. He's hit five of mm-hmm. his last six seasons. He's hit 20-plus goals. I think the Cats are going to be there. If they can get the goaltending, if Spencer Knight takes a step forward, if Sergei Bobrovsky can, I don't know, look like the guy who signed a $10 million per year contract. This, this, this Panthers team could make some noise. And like you said, I think this might be an easier division for them. You look at last year with Carolina and even uh, Tampa Bay in that division, only top four making. And then you had Nashville coming on strong at the end. I think this might actually be a little bit of a better setup for the Cats. So that's the one team I don't have a over under bet on so far. I might do it just because I don't want to be kicking myself, but I do have a bet on the Florida Panthers to win the Atlantic division. I said we were going to do it a little later, but we can sprinkle these in. I've got the Panthers winning the division at plus 440. Uh, That's one of my actual favorite bets uh, that I did put down yesterday among the 45 plus. Uh, I just think that's insanely good value because as we mentioned, we've got the unders on the other four teams at least. And I guess we should go through them one at, one at a time here, but we'll start with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the highest total, and they're 108.5. Now, I, I, if they put their best foot forward every night, 
I think they clear that with ease. But what did we see from the Florida Panthers all of last year? It was third gear. They, ter- they finished third in the division, and they went on to win their second Stanley Cup. Yes, there's, there was no Nikita Kucherov in the regular season last year, and he's going to be there th- this year. There's no Nikita Kucherov size hole that they have to fill, but they lost their entire third line. They're going to be uh, relying on a lot of young guys to come up and play uh, major minutes for them. So I just think it's going to take a little while. And there's no urgency anyway for this team because they know what their regular season has to be. It just has to be sort of treading water, getting to the point where they compete again and not breaking their backs to try and get a total like 105 points. So Florida sort of, I I feel like the window is open for them to take the top spot because the lightning, the best team in the division, I think even, even if they don't finish that way, I think that's, that's just what they are. And I think it's proven over the last two years they're just not going to want to be there or they're not going to force their way to that position. So I think it's wide open for Florida plus 440 to win the division. And I've got the under on the lightning 108.5. I found the Panthers out of book. I'll tell you what we're finished the show, but I found them out of book at plus 550, which Oof. to me, even better value. I was so cocky until you said that. At plus 550, that's a good, that's a really good number. And when you look at the rest of the division, I don't see a lot of value. Really the Bruins at this point, I don't know if they've got what it takes to just have another big run and go at it. I like the Taylor Hall signing, but you lose David Krejci and you got a bit of a hole to fill at two C and, and that second line's caused that team a lot of problems. It seemed they, they finally had it solved a little bit when they brought in Hall, but now again, you, you miss your tried and trusted number two center for all these years, David Krejci kind of back to the drawing board. Like you said, the lightning, we saw how they view the regular season last year. They, they benched Nikita Kucherov. They put him on IR for the entire year, yep. knowing full well, he was going to come back and be perfectly fine. Come postseason. I think that's a team that their goal is, is no longer to, to win the regular season. They want to win Stanley cups. They want to continue right. that momentum. So maybe they take their foot off the gas a bit. Toronto is the one team I will say, I think, maybe more built for the regular season than the postseason that could could cause a little bit of, of trouble with the, the Panthers bet. But I think Florida getting a healthy Ekblad back. I like the addition of Sam Reinhart. I think Spencer Knight, you know, the hope is such a highly regarded goaltender can come in and stabilize a goaltending situation, which has just been okay over the last few years. So I kind of like, I, I'm with you though. I got the cats as my pick to win the Atlantic division. I don't see a whole bunch of value anywhere else. So, yeah, that's a big plus money play. I think that's that's definitely live. I mean, I think we both like Boston, Tampa, and Toronto to an extent. Just I think they're overvalued in the market and certainly from that divisional prop where the Panthers, I mean, 101.1 is no small number, uh, but I think it, the division prop is where they're sort of undervalued at plus 440 or where you got it at over plus 500 is certainly uh, very, very good. A note on the Maple Leafs, I believe they would need to clear the 106.5 that you can find at most books it would have to be a franchise record for points. Uh, I believe they wow. set that a few years ago under Mike Babcock. Clearly they haven't had that same success like over the course of a full regular season because they haven't had one under Sheldon Keefe. Uh, but I just feel like that's a massive number. If They might've been on pace for it last year, but last year was completely different. The task is much different this year. The competition is fiercer. They play every team in the league, so that doesn't really matter anymore. It's not like they're going to be running into Tampa and Florida and Boston every night. It's only three or four times each. Uh, but it's just not going to be as easy for them, I think, to rack up points. And I think the mindset for them is going to change a little bit. I mean, we talked about the Lightning being in third gear. Not that the Leafs can really afford to do that, but I just feel like they're going to be 
testing out different things. They're going to be trying to play a bit of a different brand of hockey because they know they have to make changes. And where do you implement change? The regular season. So maybe they're not that high-flying team that's winning a bunch of games and you're waiting for the postseason. They're trying to do things a little bit differently this year. And maybe that means fewer points in the regular season. I could see it. Toronto, like you said, at, at this point, at least from a from the fan base, anything you do in the regular season, it's kind of cool, whatever. And And the players not necessarily say they're going to overlook the regular season because this is a tough division and you'll need to be a good team to make the playoffs. You look at the rest of the competition, but like you said, you know, I think the Leafs might take a trial and error approach, see what you've got with your lines, you know, no more Zach Hyman. So how do you address that in the top six right now? They, they added Michael Bunting and a, a few other guys like Nick Ritchie. We'll see how they end up shaping up their top six. So I could see the Leafs being one of those teams that, Maybe they figure it out later in the season and it's more of a late season push, but even a, a slow start out of the gate, I wouldn't rule it out for Toronto just because like you said, a lot of different parts, it's, it's a different looking team. Although the core has remained the same. The last team under my theory of five unders would be the Montreal Canadians. Now they're not really in the same stratosphere as the other four teams, at least in the eyes of the market, they're at 89.5 at the book that I was playing them at. And I did take the under, although I'm not quite as confident. I'd be probably a little bit more satisfied if we were in the low nineties, because I think it's possible for them to clear 90 clearly. They're the Stanley cup final last year, but there's a lot of change losing Shea Weber uh, and losing yes, Perry is not on the same. So, and Phil Deneau is that, I mean, Phil Deneau is important piece, but Kotkaniemi not on the same, uh, important level as those two, but a lot of change, uh, a little upheaval. It's going to be maybe a little bit more difficult for Carey Price to turn it around and be as dominant as he was in the playoffs right away. So I feel like the Canadians are going to be battling a little bit, and that's why I've got them at the under, but I'm not quite as you know enthused about that bet. What about you? I like the under. I think Montreal is one of these teams that is a better playoff team. Like I just think the way they play yeah. matches up better in a series environment opposed to a regular season, especially one where you're not playing the same team seven, eight, nine times like they did last year in the North division. So I think Montreal can easily come in on the under. They're relying a lot on, on young players to continue to, grow linearly and that's not always the case you got a guy like Cole Caulfield who you know if we talk about Calder odds he's right now the heavy favorite on the Calder odds but mm -hmm. you're gonna be expecting a, a lot from a lot of young players as you mentioned no more Jesperi Kakanyemi no more Phil Deneau Phil Deneau and Weber were two-thirds of what made Montreal such a, a tough team for other players against or opposing teams top players last year in the playoffs yep. and you're not going to have either of those guys in the regular season so I can see Montreal easily coming in on the under Carey Price's health is another thing we've heard he's going to be okay but he is an aging goaltender at this stage of his career as well so I don't know I I, I see the under hitting much more likely I guess than you do for the Canadians I've got two more unders and only one more, one over in this entire division, which probably doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it's not like they're going to be just playing each other. So there is the opportunity for that. Um, but my only over bet in this division is the Ottawa Senators. And I think I got a really good number on this because I've seen it at 77 and a half, but I got the over at 74 and a half for the Ottawa Senators. And I just jumped at that right away when I saw it. It's probably not available everywhere, but it's a low, low total for a team that's been through that season where it's like, okay, we're trying to win, but we're going to take some lumps. 
I think that was last year for the Ottawa Senators. Not, that's not to say that they're a playoff team. That's not to say that they're going to be at all really competitive when it comes down to, you know, playing meaningful games in the last third of the season. I'm not sure they're going to get there, but this is a team that had so much progress over the course of last year. And that might be in part or in large part due to the fact that they were primarily playing teams that were just falling apart at the seams. But I think Ottawa is just way more talented than the other two division, two teams in the division, clearly, and pretty talent, pretty underrated in how much talent that they actually do have up front. Of course, there's some problems. We worry about Matt Murray. We worry about that defense. We worry about the depth up front, but I feel like this is a team that's going to compete and to clear 74 and a half. I, I, I feel like that's something that DJ Smith's team is, is certainly has within their capabilities. I agree. I think Ottawa is a nice bet on the over. I don't have many teams in this division hitting the over. I get, Like you, I've got Detroit and Buffalo coming through on the under. I Same. can see Ottawa. I, I've seen it at 73 and a half. Like I can see them easily coming in on the over on that. It's. I know a lot of people are talking about how Brady Kachuk isn't signed yet, but I think they'll figure that out both sides. I think they'll come to an agreement. And I don't think that'll affect Ottawa's number all that much at the end of the day. So I could see the sense coming in on the over like you, I worry about the defense, especially once you get past the top pairing with Thomas Shabbat, it just doesn't look as nice. The rest of the defense score and Matt Murray is a major question mark, but like you said, they competed hard last year, especially as the season winded down. I think, from I can't remember the date in February, but from early February on, I think they had the third best record in that North division. Like yeah. They were, they were playing really good hockey. They got out of the gate slow. So I could see Ottawa coming in on the over and they're about the only team in that Atlantic that I do have actually meeting or exceeding their over total. Yeah. I just think they're going to compete, right? I think this is, you, you like the teams that you have confidence are going to compete that have low totals. And Ottawa is probably one of the select few that I see as, as not a team that's got a built-in excuse. They've got motivation for sure. And I think they're going to play hard and get over that total actually pretty easily. I probably shouldn't say that, but I, I, that would be one of my favorite bets uh, in terms of team total, certainly in the Atlantic division. The other two I'm not as excited about in comparison to that. I've got unders on both the Sabres and the Red Wings. We'll start with the Sabres. It's 68 and a half, and that's a low, low total. But the thing is like, it's really hard to be an outlier in the NHL. It's hard to be bad enough to get less than 68.5 points, but there are the makings of that for the Buffalo Sabres. Obviously they're a team that's not trying to compete. So that's sort of step one in the, in the recipe for being truly awful. And that's what you have to be to get less than 68 points. But the, the worst part is that they just don't have the goaltending to prop up a team. And that's partly why we get all this parody is because, there's not really that big of a difference at like one of the real core elements or one of the, one of the things that really affects results. And that's quality goaltending. They just don't have it. And if you're trying to be bad and you don't have the goaltending to prop you up, you're definitely in the running to hit a total or, or to, to fall short of a total of 68 and a half. I mean, there's two teams that I think can be those outliers that can get sort of shake free of the parody in this league. And I think it's Buffalo and Arizona and Buffalo at 68.5 with nothing really to be excited about no goaltending to try and keep them uh, just afloat, just to keep them respectable. I think it's going to be another really dark season for the Buffalo Sabres. One, not as enjoyable as perhaps in Arizona where they had this great off season. They're going to be bad. They're going to be really bad. They're probably the exact same in terms of their situation, but at least 
there's some sort of foresight in what might to come. Buffalo's still a mess. It's not going to get any better, and they're not trying to be better. So I could not in good conscience bet an over, and that's why I'm on the under. To start the year, they're going to be trotting out Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell between the pipes. Like, that is a ugly-looking goalie tandem. I know they got Uko Pekalukunen in the wings, and I don't know if they should even let him play this year. I think you're feeding a young goalie to the Wolves if the Sabres go ahead and play Pekka Lukanen, who was a great goalie for the Wolves in the OHL. But I'm with you. I just don't see it from this Buffalo team. I I don't see how they hit 68 and a half points. They are trying to lose. There's, There's no effort being made by management to put a winning product on the ice and you don't have to be a genius to realize that when you look at the roster, it's, this is going to be another trying year. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch, your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. For the fans in Western New York, unfortunately, the Sabres, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be much uh, sweating when it comes to the 68 and a half, even though it's low. It's a low it's, number. It's really low. But I don't think you're going to have to sweat that bet very much. I think that's going to come through and you're not going to be, you know, biting your nails to see if the Sabres are going to pull off a a few late season victories. I think it's tough sledding and maybe Jack Eichel will be there late season, but like, is it even a good thing? I mean, he's obviously heard he's going to miss the start of the season, wherever it may be, but if he doesn't get traded, if he's still around, it just might be an even more of an issue in that locker room because their best player, the guy who's supposed to be leading in all aspects of the organization and team clearly has no interest in being there any longer. That just seems like a toxic situation, something that will even damage their chances of having that sort of end of season, uh, you know, uplift when other teams are sort of sagging and they, they can sort of, uh, you know, just play inspired hockey down the stretch. I don't see that happening. I think the Sabres are going to be disaster from wire to wire the last team on the Atlantic division slate is the Detroit Red Wings and this one feels like the trap line of the entire Atlantic card I've got it at 77 and a half I'm taking the under again I only have one over Florida probably would be an over if I didn't have this thing inside my head telling me to just leave it Um, but the Red Wings they're not there yet and 77 and a half is not again a big total but it's they are on paper one of the worst five, six, seven teams in the league. And there are going to be five to 10 teams that struggle to get over the 82 point, I guess, 
Mendoza line, if you want to call it that. And there's certainly going to be there now, 77 and a half is attainable, I guess, but they're going to have to make a move at some point here, Detroit. They're going to have to try to be a good team, but nothing, even though they made some pretty, uh, cost-effective and smart moves that they were lauded for, they didn't do enough to be any different, I don't think. And for that reason, I'm taking the 77 and a half. It seems precariously low, but I'm still going to take the under on it. They acquired... Precariously high, sorry. Yeah, I agree. I'm on the under too. They acquired Nick Letty. Good veteran presence will help a lot of the young defensemen they're trying to bring up, like a Maurice Sider. They they added Alex Andalkovich on a good... I thought it was a great deal. I was surprised that the the Canes even dealt him in the first place. So they made a couple of, okay, you know, they're, they're definitely, they have an eye towards the future moves, but I don't think those moves were made with any intentions of being a 82-point team or an 80-point team this year. And I don't think the roster says they're an 80-point team this year either. I like Detroit long-term. I think Eisenman's done a good job stocking the cupboards but I don't see 77 coming through this season for the Red Wings. I'm, I'm with you. I still think this is a bottom five, bottom 10 team in the league. I don't see them hitting 77. Again, an attainable number, but I just don't see it. It feels like Ottawa last year. It's like, okay, we, we got something respectable, I suppose now, but now we've got to learn how to actually navigate a, a regular season that wasn't like last year. Like this is a legitimate season, 82-game uh, grind, playing great teams in the division, playing all teams, playing on the West Coast, dealing with everything. I mean, they're going to take some lumps. You take lumps as a young team that's trying to start on its upswing, and I think Detroit has that ahead of them this year. Um, I guess we could go to potential division uh, props. I don't have a division winner here. Again, I'm a little wary of what the Lightning may do. Oh, no, we did go to the – we did do the division already with the Panthers. I do have a division bet here with the Florida Panthers. As we talked about, we really belabor the point on the, on the Atlantic division because I already forgot that we had gotten <laughs> to that. So let's move on to the metropolitan division. Um, this one, I don't have as strong of a read on. I think I've got bets on four of the eight teams and it's because there's just like built in parody within this division, like the penguins, capitals, flyers, Islanders, like they've just been sort of the same at the same level competing head to head, bumping into each other year over year here. And it seems like they have a hard time separating themselves from each other. And it's those legacy teams really in the division, Penguins and Capitals in particular, that I don't really have a strong read on. I got the Penguins at 97 and a half and the Capitals at 95 and a half. And that's probably where I expect them to be right in the mid nineties, getting into the playoffs. One of them could obviously be a lot better. One of them could be obviously a lot worse but I just feel like that's a reasonable level for both of them. So do you have any hard uh, opinions on either the Penguins and Capitals? I'm a complete 180 on the Metro compared to the Atlantic. I've got overs hitting on them on seven of the eight Metro teams. Okay. Here. That's what I like to hear. A lot of it's priced in the the nineties. There's no team that has a total over a hundred points. The Islanders are the highest with 99. I took the over on the Islanders. But I, I'm high on Philadelphia in this division. I really like what the Flyers did this offseason. Uh, Pittsburgh, I, I, I took them at 97 and a half. They just won a division with almost all of these teams in it last year. So I'm high mm-hmm. on the Penguins as well in the regular season. I think Washington's another team. Like these are just, like you said, these are teams that have been around. You know what to expect. 
yeah, they're another year older, but I don't think they're hitting pivotal age marks just yet where they're going to really digress or, or decrease in talent and play level. So I'm still high on all these teams, Carolina, 96. That's a team Carolina. I think with the moves they made, they'll actually do better in the regular season. And I expect them to kind of falter in the postseason. Mm-hmm. but I think, I think the Canes will hit 96. That's where I, what I saw it at. So I kind of like all these overs in this division. The only team I'm under on are the New Jersey Devils. That's the only team that I took the under on in this division. We seem to be pretty simpatico. Now, I don't have bets on either the Penguins, Capitals, or Flyers, or Rangers. I don't feel comfortable with all four of them. They're all between 92.5 and 97.5. I just believe they're all four of them are probably going to live within that range. So I'm a little bit reluctant to go on that. But I'm with you with the Hurricanes. Uh, I got it at 95.5, one of my favorite bets in terms of totals. Uh, I just think that the Carolina Hurricanes are as reliable as teams get right now in the regular season. And the regular season is a measure, certainly, of how good your hockey team is. I mean, it's it's a better measure than the playoffs. We know we know what's happened to Carolina in recent playoffs. We They might not be that sort of team, but we know they're a really good regular season team. I was just looking at their depth chart again. Like I, I assume that they took a little bit of a hit this off season, but it looks as strong as ever. I mean, they just look like a team that's going to be able to be a nightmare night in and night out throughout the regular season. Uh, obviously their goaltending is a lot different. There is some worry about Freddie Anderson's regression, anti-Ranta's health. Yeah, I see that. Maybe Nedeljkovic was better for this year if we're just looking at it in a vacuum. But I don't think they're going to take a step back. I think they have a great defensive core that's going to protect and insulate those guys. And they have a forward group that is for sure going to help them get to 100 points again, or at least clearing the 95.5. So that's my favorite bet of the division. I also took them. It's a bit chalky or, or not steamed up a little bit, but it's, it would be considered slight, slightly chalky, but minus 176 to make the playoffs. If they keep giving you better than minus 200 to make the playoffs in the Carolina Hurricanes. You have to keep going to the well on it. It just seems too easy at that point because the Carolina Hurricanes are as good as a bet, I think, as any team, and that's a talent-rich division. You're taking a bunch of overs, but they are the best bet to make the playoffs in that division, in my opinion. Agreed. Oh, other, other than the New York Islanders, excuse me. Yeah, I think them and the Islanders, I think those are probably the two teams that are – peaking or at least nearing their peak like i said pittsburgh they're not fully over the hill but they're older like that's an older team washington it's the same drill an over an older team but i really don't sleep on the flyers we'll talk about that when we we get to the divisional odds and division winners but i really like the flyers in the metro i just think you add ryan ellis I know you had to get rid of Philippe Myers to do so, but I thought he was one of two guys, him and Travis Sandheim, that really kind of took a step back last year. So I think getting Ellis, a little bit more veteran stability on that back end is a big plus. They overpaid for Ristolainen, but that's not to say he's going to be a downgrade on that defense. I think he's an upgrade over what they had last year. And they also added Keith Yandel, who I think gives them a little bit more offensive upside I know they've liked to trot Provorov out there on the power play. Maybe they go to Yandel. That's kind of his wheelhouse is being the, the man on the power play. So yep. I, I like the Flyers in this division. I think the offensive talent is there. I expect guys like Travis Konechny, who had a down year, to, to step up. JVR had a good year last year. I still think he's got some juice left in him. 
Giroux. I know they made that trade with the Blue Jackets. They got Cam Atkinson in there for Jakob Voracek. I still think there's some juice in this Flyers team, and I expect Carter Hart to bounce back, especially with the better defense in front of him. They led the league in goals against last year. I don't see that happening again in 2021, 2022. So I can see Philly hitting over. I got it at 94. Okay, so I'm seeing a 92.5, and I think you're going to twist my arm on an over on that. So I'm probably going to be adding the Flyers to hit the over. Um, but enlighten me. What, what is the uh, to win the Metro odds? Because uh, if you're that high on them that I should, like, I, I trust you, I'm going to play the over. But what, what do they got on the, uh, on the divisional odds? So right now I've seen it at plus 650. And them and Carolina are the two teams that I'm in on in the Metro to win the division. I've seen Carolina at plus 500. And I've seen the Flyers at plus 650. I just think they've got depth at every position group. When you look at forwards, I, I feel like they got a really deep group of forwards, even after getting rid of Nolan Patrick. It, he didn't really work out there anyways. Yep. The defense looks a lot better this year than it did last year. And the goaltending, I think they'll be able to give Carter Hart a few more nights off. I know Martin Jones wasn't great as a starter in San Jose, but I think he could be a competent backup making spot starts for the Flyers. I think he's an upgrade over what Brian Elliott brought to the table last year. So I just see the Flyers playing a lot stronger defensively, and I still think they have enough offensive power with guys like Giroux to, to keep things going. And, and Konechny is another young player who I think he had a real bad season, got benched a few times last year. I just think he bounces back. I, I'm really high on the Flyers this year. Okay, I'm going to tell you on that over, as I mentioned, but I don't, I don't think I can chase the division because I do have a division bet on the New York Islanders at plus 300. I'm heavy on the Islanders. I've got them to win the Eastern Conference at 860. That includes the playoffs and to win the Stanley Cup at plus 2100. Uh, I'm probably a little too heavy, I guess, with that divisional bet because clearly the Hurricanes and you believe the Flyers and the Penguins can also win that division. You know, the Rangers and Capitals are really good teams as well. So my, my, just, my thinking on the Islanders is they're the one guarantee. We know exactly what we're going to get for the New York, from the New York Islanders. They are that team that is as steady as can possibly be in the NHL. And I mentioned the Hurricanes, like a, a really reliable team in terms of what they're going to give you in the regular season. But I just think the Islanders take that to the next level. They just are what they are. And that's why I love the over nine, 99 and a half for the New York Islanders. I just think they're flat out one of the best teams in the entire conference. And if you're going to give me, you know, double digit and as opposed to triple digit uh, numbers on that total, I'm going to take the Islanders in the over and I've got them sprinkled across the futures market because I just have all the faith in the world that they're going to be there. And when they're there, you can take that opportunity to hedge out and make your money that way in the futures market. So I can't, I can't just sit on the Islanders anymore. I have to get involved because I just believe that they're going to be there in the top four in the postseason and competing for that division. So at plus 300, I took a stab on them to win the Metro because I just don't believe in the, the other teams as much. I do have the Hurricanes. I do have belief on them, but I just think the Islanders are maybe a better bet at plus 300. I can't fault you there. Like you said, they're consistent. They're reliable. It's a Barry Trotz-led team. I just always feel like the Islanders are another one of these teams that just they, again, in a series environment, they up it to another level. And I know they'll have Anders Lee back this year, which will also be another huge addition, someone they didn't have down the stretch last year. Yep. But, but 
I can't I can't fault you for taking the aisles. I I I I I may be going a little bit more pie in the sky with these hurricanes and flyers, put a little bit of lunch money on those teams, but you know, a pretty reliable bet if you go with the Islanders. I feel like that is the at plus 300, that's a that's a pretty good bet right there. I mean, they seem to have a good offseason. I guess I had that in my mind. I'm looking at what they did. Maybe it's not as impactful as I thought. I mean, we're going to get, obviously, Zach Parise. They were able to retain Kyle Palmieri. They're getting Anders Lee back. I mean, they just find a way to continue to make moves that make the Islanders more like the Islanders. Like, they just double down on their identity. And that identity has worked so well in a division that seems like it has a lot of, like, uh, you know, they could be this or that. The Islanders... They can only be one thing, and that's the New York Islanders. <laughs> so that's why I'm uh, that's why I'm leaning there for in the futures market, just because I believe they are reliable that way. Uh, the only two teams that we didn't talk about in the division so far, and, and quick review: I've got the Hurricanes and Islanders over, and I'm probably going to add the Flyers, the Penguins, Capitals, and Rangers. Again, as I mentioned, between 92.5 and 97.5. Do you have any other bets on those three? Not really. I, the Rangers are just an interesting team. I think they'll be better with Gerard Gallant. I think they'll be better defensively with Gallant at the helm. And they've got good young defensemen stepping up so that I think they can be one of the better defensive teams in the league. Like I think that Fox Lindgren pairing is really good as your number one pairing. And even Miller and Truba on that second unit is still solid. So I think they're a team that's going to take step forwards. I, I, I like the addition of Buknevich getting or excuse me they got rid of Buknevich they got Sammy Blay I didn't like Sammy that Blay, trade yeah. all that much uh, I didn't like it for the the Rangers at least uh, getting Sammy Blay I, I I it's all part of their plan to just beat up on Tom Wilson on opening night <laughs> yeah it's become which I love it's great yeah. I, I mean it's, it's, it's maybe not the best thing for you in the long run but it's going to be entertaining I think New York relevant Rangers being relevant that makes it a little bit more entertaining. Very fun that the Rangers have decided that they're going to let James Dolan be at the keys a little bit more than he should <laughs> I, I equated what they did this offseason to like a faction being started in WWE where you have all these wrestlers <laughs> like show up and just beat the you know what out of someone in the ring. That's what right. basically they're, they're doing. They bring in Ryan Reeves. They bring in Sammy Blay. They bring in all these tough guys that, or guys that are bigger and, and can fight some battles against the, the Capitals. So, yeah, in the long run, maybe that hurts them. But I think they'll be better with Gallant. I think you get, like I said, a better defensive effort. I think Shesterkin hopefully he can take that step forward for the Rangers as well. And if he does, I really, really like the Rangers. That's probably the one area where I do have a little bit of concern is that I'd like to see Shesterkin really show what he showed in that. I think it was 12 games he played in the COVID-19 shortened season where he had like a 925 or 926 save percentage. I'd like to see a little bit more consistency over a longer season. Yeah, I mean, I think the Rangers are close, but I got to see it first. And uh, we're either going to see it one way or another. I do think they're going to be a a pretty reasonable force in the postseason if they get there. I meant, you know, you mentioned they might not be as good of a regular season team with those guys and getting rid of Buknevic, who can obviously put up some good point totals. But I do feel like they're built for postseason hockey and maybe taking on a team like the New York Islanders. But I mentioned I got to see it. I got a little insurance. I'm playing a couple flyers in the futures market and the awards market on the Rangers, just in case they go off and win a division this year in the metropolitan division. And that is, you mentioned Gerard Gallant. I got him to win the Jack Adams at plus 2,500. I mean, if they have a massive year, Gerard Gallant is going to get a ton of credit for it. The narrative is there. 
everything sort of feeds into, okay, Rangers have a spectacular season. Gerard Gallant is going to get a lot of credit for that. And show me a good coach. Show me a good goaltender. You mentioned Chesterkin. I got him to win the Vesna. Small stab at plus 1,900. So if the Rangers go off, I think Chesterkin's going to be obviously a huge part of it. And Jack or Gerard Gallant is going to get a lot of credit for it and be in contention for the Jack Adams. So I think that's how I'm going to handle the possibility of the Rangers being great is just to take a couple stabs and, and hopefully maybe I hit one of them. I'm with you there with Gallant at plus 2,500. There's not a better bet on the board just because you have that big market. You have a coach who is well known around the league. Like this isn't. And a... it's, like, it's like a little sympathy thing do exactly. which, which sports writers <laughs> love. Right. So yeah, it, exactly. it's, it's right there. He, he was given the cold shoulder. He was, you know, ca- cast aside by the Vegas Golden Knights for the rival head coach. He led Team Canada to this improbable win after they went 0-3 at the IIHF World Championships. The narrative is there. The Rangers, we need a coach. We need somebody. So who, who can lead this group of young players to a Stanley Cup or a playoff appearance? It's Gerard Gallant. Only a Jack Adams caliber coach like exactly. Gerard Gallant. Uh, so yeah, that's one of my that's one of my favorites on how I'm going to handle the Rangers. Probably won't touch the team total because I just feel like, you know, it it, it it's probably going to be off one way or another by like five points. But I don't know which side it's going to be on. Um, the other two teams, the worst teams, I guess for sure, in the Metropolitan Division would be the Devils and the Blue Jackets, and yet. The New Jersey Devils are still priced pretty high. I got it at nine, 90.5. I took the under on that because not every team can finish above 90 points in the division. And I just think the Devils are clearly one of the two worst teams uh, in the Metro. And I just don't think they're ready to take a step. I don't, I'm not really sure why this number is what it is. Do you, have any, do you have a better read on it than I do? I don't like it either. I think this is putting a lot of faith in a number one defense pairing because that's really – the only upgrade they made sure they've got young players like Jack Hughes who are going to take a step forward, but like they added Dougie Hamilton. Great. They added Ryan Graves from Colorado. They got a legit number one defense pairing, but I don't know mm-hmm. if you can ride that to 90 points. I know they, in, in that I like Mackenzie Blackwood. I think he's a good young goaltender, a former Barry Colt. Yeah, I love my former Barry Colts. And then you, you added Jonathan Bernier as well to back him up. A little bit more of a, a veteran presence. I, I think they had Scott Wedgwood backing up Blackwood for most of last season. So I think they made a few nice you know, secondary moves. They added Tatar and, and they made moves like that. But I don't see 90 points coming from them. Like I just, like you said, not every team in this division can hit 90 or at least not seven of eight are going to hit 90 points. And I don't see enough of that yet from New Jersey. Yeah, the number implies 90.5 that they're going to be in competition for the postseason, right? I mean, 90 point, 91 points probably won't get it done. It won't get it done. Uh, but the number suggests that they're going to be on the cusp and they are minus 225 to miss the playoffs. So I feel like those two numbers don't really add up and that it's clear that the Devils are going to be pretty fortunate to be even sniffing the postseason. So an under on the 90.5 for me on the New Jersey Devils. And that leaves us with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who no doubt I think they're not going to be good. They're not going to be a good team, but I believe that they're going to play hard. And I mentioned that with the Ottawa Senators, the importance of a team playing hard when you're talking overs and unders, especially for bad teams. 
And I think the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to be a team that plays hard. So at 76.5, I think they're going to be able to get to 80 points. I've got them as an over in one of the, uh, I guess it'll be quite a few overs. So we're, we're kind of favoring the Metro over the Atlantic as we go through it. But even the bad teams in the Metro, uh, other than the Devils, there's not too many bad teams in the Metro, but the worst team in the Metro, I believe, can clear 76.5. I agree. I think Columbus, I think with John Tortorella gone, I think that's going to lift the locker room. I think the message got stale there. I, John Tortorella is one of those coaches where he is probably one of the few in the NHL that actually has a very high impact on the locker room. And at times, we've seen that be a very good thing. And at other times, when the message gets stale, it's not a good thing. And that team looked like it was checked out last year. There was a lot of conflict between him and players on that team, Pierre-Luc Dubois, even Patrick Laine when he got there. I think not having Tortorella at the helm anymore is going to be a, a, a plus for this team. So I could see them having a strong start to the year and kind of fading as the season goes on. One other thing I like about this team is I think they've got good goaltending. I am very high on Elvis Merz-Leakins. I think he is a very good goalie. So you have the goaltending. I don't hate the first defense pairing, which is probably going to end up being Boquist and Wierenski after the Seth mm -hmm. Jones deal. I don't hate it. And I think Line is probably due for a bounce back season. They don't have a lot of center depth, but I think there's enough there where they can win a few 2-1 games, 3-1 games, low-scoring contests. That's going to be how they play, and that's how they're going to be a winning team when they are getting Ws. So I think the Blue Jackets, I'm with you, 76. That's a team I, I, I see competing this year. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the goaltending. How does, how does a bad team stay competitive? We mentioned it already. Good goaltending. That should lift them up. But I do think there's an underrated amount of talent there. Like guys like Texier didn't have a good season. Uh, Liam Foodie's there who could play an elevated role. They still have some talent. You mentioned Line A. Roslovic could be – he could be in, in line for a big year. Like I still think there's enough talent sprinkled throughout – Boquist would be in tough to be that legitimate number one defenseman or playing with a legitimate number one defenseman in Zach Wierenski. But I do think there's enough sprinkled in there to keep competitive every night. And I think it's going to be a team that plays hard and, uh, you know, clears 76.5. I think there's a very good chance that that happens. Uh, let's move on. Central division. Again, this is one that I'm not as strong, I guess, with my read. I've got bets on four in terms of over-unders and that leaves four without and I guess we'll start with the Colorado Avalanche clearly the class of that division but 110.5 is a little bit too high for me I mean you have to be really really determined as a group to get into the 112 115 area and chasing that president's trophy no doubt they'll be in the running for the president's trophy they're clearly one of the best teams in the league they are they are the clear odds to win or clear favorites in the odds to win the Stanley Cup but do they have to chase that number? They probably don't have to chase that number. And they didn't have a great offseason. They've lost a few players, replaced a Vesna-nominated goaltender in Philip Grubauer with Darcy Kemper. Like, there's a couple things that they're going to have to work through. And to get to 110, to get over 110, you've got to be a team that from start to finish plays elite-level hockey. And I think Colorado can do that, so I'm not betting the under, but I'm just not comfortable laying, uh, you know, putting money down on, on a total that high. This is one where you got to bet the number. I'm with you. I've got the under coming through on the avalanche. One ten and a half is just 
you're expecting a lot. You got to have a perfect season. A very there is a very small margin for error. Now yeah. we we've seen guys in this lineup miss time over the years, whether it's a Landeskog, whether it's Rantanen, whether it's McKinnon, they they've missed some time. And if that happens, one of those guys gets hurt for an extended period of time. I, I I don't see that happening. So you're you're betting on basically a, a near perfect season to hit one ten point five. As you mentioned, I think the goaltending change going to Kemper from Grubauer is an upgrade. I think hmm. b- behind that defense, you're going to see a very good Darcy Kemper. And he's someone, even in fantasy hockey, that I've been targeting at his ADP in the early 20s. I think that is going to be someone that you look at and you say, wow, you know, that was the missing piece on this Avalanche team. Again, I still think you see a better postseason Avalanche than you see a regular season Avalanche. We talk about Nathan McKinnon constantly being one of these guys who elevates his game once the playoffs start. This isn't to say he's a bad player in the regular season. He just really turns it on when the games matter the most. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm betting the number here. I'm taking the under on the Avs. I'm not going to bet it because I'm just, I just don't want to be kicking myself when they are clearly the best team in the league. Uh, but I just think it, it's a stretch uh, to, to, to bet that over. So uh, I, I do like your read though. I think the abs are better suited. And I wouldn't say better suited for the postseason, but like for these teams that are not having the success that they believe they should, I think the mindset does change a little bit. And I think there's going to be a lot of looking forward. And with that might find some complacency during the regular season. So I, I, you know, you can't knock the abs. You can't knock their talent. They are a great team that actually might be better. As you mentioned with the goaltending, because, you know, Philip Grubauer, great seasons in Colorado, but one of the most sheltered goaltenders in terms of what the avalanche give up. So, uh, you know, I, I just think they're in the a position to be better in the long run, but that doesn't mean they're going to be chasing the president's trophy and winning it in back-to-back years. Uh, so I will say, I will lay off the abs uh, for the team total bet. What I do like is a couple props mixed in. And I, you know, the number isn't great on Kale McCarter win the Norris. I got it at plus 400. I haven't played it yet, but I just feel like there's no better candidate for the Norris, uh, Norris trophy. And I know you got a couple uh, potential options. So we're going to leave it at that. But I feel like playing Kale McCarr at plus 400 isn't terrible. And Miko Rantanen at plus 1200 to win the Rocket. You know, a couple of the best players in the league have gotten some uh, wrist surgery in the offseason, one being Austin Matthews and the reigning Rocket Richard winner. Uh, I think the door might be open for that reason. And Miko Rantanen is one of the best snipers in the league. And if you get him for plus 1200, uh, I don't think that's a bad stab. So uh, I'm going to wait on the abs. We'll see what happens. I, I don't want to bet them at the number for the Stanley cup because it's just juice so much. Uh, but uh, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to make best use of the abs because it clear feels like they're one of the, you know, an easy team to bank on in terms of what they're going to be able to do. It's just, I haven't found that Avenue yet. I'm with you. It's it, it, they're priced to where they should be from the exactly. totals to the cup odds. They're priced what you would expect. There's really no value in picking the Avalanche because they were kind of the hot and sexy pick ahead of last season, and it didn't hit, and you had to pay up for the Avalanche last year as well. So I think some bettors have that in their minds as well when they're going to make their Avalanche bet. I'm not saying that's something you should consider, but it just shows you that there really isn't a whole lot of value considering what the margin of error is to profit on that bet so i'm with you i don't think the avs have a ton of value right now and there's when you're shopping for value 
they're just not a team that I'm interested in, or, or I, I think I'm, I'm getting a good number with. Uh, they are clear favorites to win the division because there might not be another elite team in the division. Uh, the next best in least in the eyes of Vegas is the Minnesota wild at 97 and a half. I've got the under on that. Uh, they're a very good team. They were a very good team last year, but I got a feeling there will be some regression. I mean, they're clearly playing in a tougher division. That doesn't mean all that much because you don't just play inside the division, but I think maybe that their, their, their success was boosted a little bit by that last year. Now they were a very difficult out for the Vegas golden Knights. Uh, clearly they were, um, you know, of that ilk when we got to the postseason, but that is a small sample. And I believe it's just going to be, life is going to be a little bit more difficult. I think on the Minnesota wild this year, I fully assume that Kirill Kaprizov will be there on opening night and performing to his abilities. I don't think it's a loss that they bought out Zach Parise, but I think losing Ryan Suter means a little bit and they haven't really filled his position with anyone of substance. So I feel like they're kind of stagnating a little bit and to hit 97.5 means you've got to be a, an elite team and they very well could be. And the division is wide open for them, at least in terms of who's going to play second behind the avalanche. But I just don't think I can get to an overs bet. So I, I did take the under, maybe not my favorite, maybe regretting it a tiny little bit, but it is in stone. I've got the under 97.5 on the Minnesota wild. We're like, like two pieces of pod here. It's like, we're like the, the, the wavelengths. We are just meeting. I don't know what it is, but I'm with you. I'm taking the under on the Minnesota wild. You look at head coach Dean Evison. How does he want to play? He wants to play defense first. They do not get in a lot of shootouts. They do not play a lot of high scoring games last year. I thought they had the best defense one through six in the NHL. Now you lose two guys in Ryan Suter and Carson Soucy. And the Carson Soucy one maybe goes a little bit under the radar, but I thought he was a very good third-pairing defenseman. Ryan Suter, reliable top four guy. You lose both of those players. And now you go from having the best one through six to you have, an, you have a good top six. No one's going to say anything about guys like Dumba, Spurgeon, Goligoski still there, or they added Goligoski this offseason. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jonas Brodin is still there as well. So you've still got a good kind of top three, top four. But that third pairing doesn't look as good as it did last year. They're going to have to score a few more goals, I think. They got really good goaltending out of Camp Talbot. Can they get that again? Mm -hmm. we, we really don't know what Capo Kakinen is yet at this point. We've seen him play good. We've seen him play not so good. I, I think for a team that's got to hit 97 points or 97 and a half, there's a lot of question marks surrounding the Minnesota wild. So I'm taking the under on that one. Uh, you mentioned Dean Evison. He is the overwhelming favorite in the Jack Adams market. I, I'm seeing him at plus 250 in line with John Cooper. I mean, you got to be completely nuts to take that. I mean, it's it, uh, sure they could have a great season and he could be the, uh, it could be a lot to do with the fact that Dean Evison is coaching that team. Uh, but we mentioned like attention. He's the anti-Gallant in that sense. And he's, his odds <laughs> are 10 times uh, that of, of Dean Evison. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So uh, you know, the coaching Jack Adams is like, who knows, right? I mean, you, you can build narratives in your head and, and I did that for myself. Uh, but that just seems like it should be like pretty even across the board. And that's a wide discrepancy for Dean Evison, Evison certainly. 
Uh, a, little, a little side note on Dean Evason. He looks I- identical to Creed from The Office. I don't know if you've ever seen the two <laughs> side by side. I tweeted this out last year and Minnesota Wild fans were saying, yeah, we've been saying this all season. It's like a, apparently within the, the Wild fan base, a well-known thing that he is a almost like an identical doppelganger to Creed from The Office. So just a... Dean I mean, Evison tidbit. I don't know if that that sways you one way or the other on the line, but it, it might because he's arguably my favorite office character. And if he truly is coaching the Minnesota Wild right now, uh, that would be pretty hilarious. Uh, next up, ninety five point five, the Dallas Stars. Now they had a bad year, obviously last year, not making the playoffs after um, making the Stanley Cup final the year before. Uh, I don't have a bet on the Stars. I I, I felt confident that I would when I was thinking what the line might be coming in and thinking about them over the summer, because I do think they're going to have a bounce back season. The number is not there for them to make the playoffs versus miss the playoffs. I think going over 95.5 might be difficult. I just feel like they're in that range. They're going to be not one of the best teams in the Western conference, but perhaps a team that could go on a playoff run and get in there in the six, five, six, seven range and not, you know, not, rest the division away from the avalanche maybe finish second it's possible but i just feel like i don't have as strong as a read as uh to like to sort of split hairs between 95.5 over and under i do believe they're gonna be a better team but that's just baked into the price at this point i love the dallas stars this is another team like the flyers that i see taking a step forward this year I think people are really sleeping on the impact Tyler Sagan is going to have coming back into this lineup. He's Mm -hmm. only 29 years old. This is someone still firmly in the prime of his career, and he's fully healthy. And I think having a healthy Sagan, along with Alexander Radulov, again, I don't know what to expect from Radulov at this stage of his career. He's getting a little older. He's missed significant time. But I just think having Tyler Sagan back is going to elevate that offensive group. But I think it is a deep offensive forward group. If you look lines one through four, I think there's a lot of nice depth when you got guys like Robertson emerging. Joe Pavelski, what a bounce back year last year. It, it really makes his season two years ago look like the outlier because he has been a consistent goal scorer in the National Hockey League. I love the addition of Ryan Suter and pairing him with Miro Heiskinen. We'll, yeah. I'll, I'll talk even more about Heiskanen and how much I love when we talk about the Norse Trophy odds. But I think this Dallas Stars team, you look in net, they've got depth. They've got Jake Ottinger, who, again, another one of these highly touted young goaltenders who might take a step forward now that he's got a full NHL season under his belt. You've got Anton Hudobin, who's still reliable veteran presence and they even went out mm-hmm. and added Braden Holtby it might be if you go one two three it might be the deepest in the National Hockey League I don't know if they're going to move one of those guys before the season starts or whatnot but I just think they've got nice depth everywhere I'll take them at the 95 over on the t- team total I really like Dallas this season okay Stevie I'll shop around a little bit on that one I'm not sure yeah. I can do it at 95 but uh but uh I will consider that as we lead up to the season here. The next two are tied at 92.5 in the books that I was looking at. That's the St. Louis Blues and the Winnipeg Jets. I think both are going to go over, but I've only got a bet on the Winnipeg Jets at over 92.5. It's one of my favorite bets in this division, at least. Uh, And I just think I like it because they addressed exactly what they needed by getting two defensemen to, to sort of shore up 
the obvious holes in their roster. They've got some really dynamic forwards up front. Maybe another year doesn't look as good on Blake Wheeler, but I still think they've got loads of talent to, to, to put the puck in the net. And now they can be one of the best teams in the league in terms of keeping the puck out of the net with Connor Hellebuck finally playing behind what looks to be a complete defense core this year. So I've got the Winnipeg Jets on the over, and I feel like the Blues are going to get over 92.5 and be a playoff team, but I just don't have as good of a read in my eyes just yet. But I don't feel like they've really taken too much of a step back, if at all. I mean, Tarasenko, it looks like, is going to come back, and he's going to come back in great shape. And I think Pavel Buchnevich is going to give them a little bit of a kick in the ass in terms of their offense. So I, I do feel pretty strong about the Blues. I haven't done it yet, but I like the Jets over 92.5, and I like the Jets to make the playoffs at minus 124. Uh, I, I think the Jets are going to have a big season this year, and Connor Hellebuck is going to be right back in the discussion in terms of Vezina Trophy. You hit the nail on the head with the Winnipeg Jets. They add Brendan Dillon. They add Nate Schmidt. There you go. Your biggest problem solved. You now have a competent top four on defense because what Connor Hellebuck was playing in front of last year, I know the North Division wasn't being touted for its defensive prowess, but that might have been the worst defense in the entire division. It was mm -hmm. up there. It was really, really a sore spot on the Jets, and it, it no longer is. They lost Mason Appleton this offseason. He was more of a luxury than anything, really. That third line functioned more like a second line on most nights. So they're not a team that's really taking a big step back anywhere. I think Josh Morrissey can have a bounce back year because I don't think he was that great last year. I think he can be a better player, especially with better parts surrounding him. So I think the Jets are a team that what they did this offseason was perfect. It wasn't flashy. They didn't make a big move. They didn't make a big signing, but they did what they needed to do. And I, I'm with you on the Blues. I'm not as sold on St. Louis as I am with Winnipeg. Total exact same feeling about the Blues as, as you have, where it's going to help having Tarasenko back. They, they lost Jaden Schwartz, but... I don't think that will move the needle all that much. And we'll see what Tory Krug does in a second season with Craig Rube asking more of him defensively. If he can be a better blue liner, he's going to be paired with Justin Falk. We'll see what happens there. But I, I think the blues are another team that I'll take the over on them just because they've got the goaltending that there's really no glaring weak spots on this team. So I'll take over 92 and a half. I've seen 92. I've seen 94 anywhere in there on the blues. I like 92, obviously, better. So I'm with you on that. And we didn't mention for the Winnipeg Jets, Pierre-Luc Dubois, there's got to be a, 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 you know, a turnaround for him, right? I mean, this, is, this player is way too talented to find himself producing the way he did last year. It was frankly shocking as, as one of the players who stood out for me the most covering the Stanley Cup playoffs in the bubble in Toronto uh, two summers ago, I guess it was. Uh, he just was such a monster. And I, we didn't see that at all for the Winnipeg Jets, but I just know that it's within his capabilities to be that. So I, I think the Jets, uh, one of the better, one of the better uh, um, bets to go over in the central division. And, you know, we kind of like the blues or we're, we're, we're feeling more, you know, we're drifting more to the over than the under at least. And then the Blackhawks are in that category as well at 91.5 at the book. I saw it as so three teams that are sort of like right below the playoff threshold or at the playoff threshold. And again, my theory is if you bet all three of these teams over, you'd probably win two of them, which would be obviously 
uh, a plus in your bank account. Um, and, and that, you know, that leads me to my overpick with the Blackhawks. Uh, it's, it's only one point lower than the other two. I don't know if they're as good as the, those other two teams, but maybe they don't have to be to hit that over. They obviously made a ton of changes. They're getting a Vesna Trophy caliber goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury, who may not be a Vesna Trophy caliber goaltender in Chicago because the conditions are so much worse or so much better in Vegas for a goaltender of his ilk. But they've got uh, Seth Jones as their number one defenseman now. They're getting Jonathan Taves back. I mean, this is a team that seems like it's like, has been and will continue to be flawed in some ways, but I feel like they're going to be competitive each and every night. And I feel like they're going to be in the running for the postseason. And at 91.5, it sort of implies that they might just miss out or just be short. And I think they can get there. So I'm going to play the over on the Chicago Blackhawks at 91 and a half. We were there, Justin. We, we, we are right on. We were like, just nailing everything. Yes, 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 yes. We were so on page. So just in sync i'm taking the under here on the black okay okay that's good i i think this has a chance to just be a falling on their face type of season with chicago i think mark andre Fleury is going to realize very quickly that this is not the vegas golden knights defensive core I, mm-hmm. I, I think that defense, they add Seth Jones, great. The rest of it just does not look good to me by any stretch. The offense is nice. Essentially, the way I break it down is the flurry addition doesn't move the needle at all for me. Seth Jones helps, but it's still a weak defense core. And I don't know what to expect from Jonathan Taze. Patrick Kane, it's probably going to be Patrick Kane. Alex DeBrinkett will score a bunch of goals. But I don't think this team, I think at the end of the day, they're going to be kicking themselves that they didn't do more to address the rest of the defense around Seth Jones now. And that, I think, is going to really hurt them. That's just how I see Chicago playing out this year. Yeah, it's thin. There's, it's no doubt that that's a thin defensive core. Seth Jones is not a great number one defenseman by any means. I mean, he takes a lot of heat for, uh, you know, he takes a lot of heat just in general for how much he makes and how good of a defenseman he may be still a talented player though. And someone that's obviously going to help things, but he might be in over his head a little bit and may not have the support he needs to be that truly impactful guy at the number that he's making. So obviously there are questions on that back end. Just feel like a lot of that offense is going to make up for it. And if Marc-Andre Fleury played, if he had the same year, which is way too much to ask, obviously he will make up for some of that, those lapses defensively. Sure but there are going to be some ugly nights, just maybe bet game to game overs on them because it seems like the Blackhawks are going to be involved in quite a few high scoring games. The only two teams that we haven't talked about in the central. Oh, well, we're going to talk about them right now are the coyotes and the Nashville predators. The predators are at 85.5, the coyotes at 69.5. It's the same rationale for the coyotes. For me, they're a team that had the best off season because they've got not even dramatically worse. They've gotten exponentially worse. (laughs) And that means that you're going to hit the under on 69.5. They have no interest in being a good team. They don't even have a home anymore. It seems because Glendale doesn't want them to be there anymore. This is clearly a year of transition. There's really only one truly good player on that roster. And that's Jacob Chikrin. Uh, They are not going to have a good year at all. And I believe that the under hits at 69.5. I think they're actually probably worse than Buffalo. If I'm being honest, 
uh, just because they really want to be. And Buffalo like would like to be a little bit better than they are, but they just aren't either. As for the Predators, 85.5 is, you know, that's that really basic mediocrity number. I don't know if they're going to be better or worse than mediocre, to be honest. But what I'm going to do with the the Nashville Predators is put a Hail Mary on the Vesna for UC Soros. If they do play well, if they do make the playoffs, it will be on the back of UC Soros. So I've got him at plus 3,400 to win the Vesna. I really like that bet because if Nashville is going to be any good, it's going to be all because of UC Soros. Going back to the Coyotes here. A lot of people are saying that the Kraken, you know, this is a team built with rejected players, players that were let go and, and they're, they're disrespected and they're playing with something to prove. I'd say being a coyote, you have been more disrespected than yes. anybody on the Kraken. At least you have a home beyond this season. Your team is not openly acquiring players who will never play just for the sake of cap relief, helping other teams relieve themselves of bad contracts. They are mm-hmm. the bad contract capital of the National Hockey League. I'm, I'm taking the under on the Yotes. I don't see how they hit the over at all. Even with all the disrespect, I don't see any like, uh, you know, pride or proving something wrong because you look, just look at the goalies and, you know, no more Kemper, no more Ranta. That's an ugly tandem they're going to be trotting out this year. I yeah. can't even. I I I'm trying to think of who the starter is. I'm blanking. It's Carter, Carter, Hutton Carter Hutton. Hutton that's right. And the, and they they have another. They acquired another guy to be their second goaltender because Aiden Hill's gone. Yeah, Aiden I, Hill's gone. I believe that yeah. their second. I'm drawing a blank too. Is it, but it's, is it, it was Joseph like Cornosh? Yeah, is it was it the, Joseph Cornosh. Third or fourth from the San Jose Sharks last yeah. year, which tells you a lot because yeah, if one and two wasn't good with San Jose. Last no, year. so Joseph Cornosh is the the number two there. I'm staying far away from the Yotes. I took the under on the Predators here, and I just think the only reason why they made the playoffs last year was because UC Saros put the team on his back over the final, was it 20, 25 games of the year when he came back from injury, and he Mm -hmm. was lights out. I think expecting him to do that over an 82-game season is going to be a bit more of a challenge because I don't think the team got much better. They lost Victor Arvidsson. They dealt him away. I didn't see many big acquisitions on this Predators team that makes me believe that they're going to be like an 85 to 90 point team. So I'm, I'm taking the under on the Preds. Yeah. I think that's probably a safe bet. I I just 85 is like, it's just that no man's land, right? Like it's, (laughs) I don't have, I don't have a strong opinion on them. I had a strong opinion on them last year and they overshot expectations, I think. So I'm just going to let sleeping dogs lie with the Nashville Predators, but I do like, I know you don't like it. Well, you might like it because you got to admit that's good value at plus 3,400. Oh yeah. Really is an elite goaltender. Uh, So it sticks out for me. If they have any semblance of success, as you mentioned, it was last year, it was because of UC Soros. So I'm just going to leave it at that with the Nashville Predators. So again, we could review a little bit, but pretty much the Blackhawks is the only team that we really differ on. Obviously we're not betting on the exact same teams here and the exact same totals, but the only team that we're seeing real different Chicago Blackhawks. Is that true? Yeah. I guess so, I, right? I'd say so. I, I, other than that, we're, we're kind of sharing a brain on the rest. Like I, I I'm not really seeing any other sticking points. Okay. Let's dive into the Pacific division. Maybe there will be something there 
that can uh, cause a little dissension in the ranks here. Uh, obviously, the number one team in the Pacific Division is the Vegas Golden Knights, who just missed out on the President's Trophy last year. They're just the best team in the division by a far margin, fair margin, and I think that you know nothing's going to really change there. They're slotted at 106.5. It's a high number, but I'm actually going to take the over there because I just don't think anyone else is going to be in that stratosphere uh, in the Pacific division. I think the golden Knights, you know, they obviously had a bit of a bit, a, a lot of little turmoil in the off season, but I think they actually made out. Okay. I like the Nolan Patrick ad. I don't love the Evgeny Dadanov ad, but they opened up 7 million by getting rid of Mark Andre Fleury. And surely that is going to help them be a little bit more of a balanced team, not a team that's playing five defensemen randomly because they just be, can't become cap compliant. And all that stuff, all the stuff that they went through, they were still far and away the best team or far and away with the Colorado Avalanche, the best team in, I guess, their division. But even like the pseudo conferences, the league, they were just right at the top of the league last year. I expect them to return to that. So I've got the Golden Knights and the over at 106.5. I took the over as well. All the reasons you outlined, this is a pretty bad looking division as far as the others. If you compare it, I don't see anybody that can really challenge Vegas for this top spot. They're a loaded team. The, the main core is still intact. Sands, Marc-Andre Fleury, but it's not like they're seeing a major dip in goaltending play with Robin Lehner. Yep. I, I, I think you got to take the over here with Vegas at one Oh seven. It's a, I know that we talked about Colorado's number being a little too high at one ten, but there is a bit of a difference between being oh, a yeah. 110 plus team and like 108, 109 points. Like there's a, there's a difference, especially once you get to the end of the year. Well, the, the odds are basically implied. The odds are certainly implied that they're going to win their division. Uh, and to win a division, you, you probably have to exceed 106, 107. You probably got to be flirting with at least 110. So I, I think uh, the Vegas in terms of like the teams that are at that high end that are outliers because you know, they've created that for themselves. I believe that's the one that could sort of even perform more than what market has them at, at 106.5. So, uh, you know, we continue to be simpatico on the Vegas golden Knights. The second team, at least in terms of uh, the Vegas odds are the Edmonton Oilers at 99 and a half. So they've got to hit triple digit points for the over to hit. I don't have a bet on this one, but if I were to bet, it probably would be on the under uh, it, this for the Oilers. It's just like, how much will the goaltending and defense take away from the obvious brilliance of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and what is a better forward group with, you know, Zach Hyman and Dylan Holloway is not going to be there right away, but I think he can help them if he gets there mid season. So, you know, it, it really is that, that same conundrum with them. And they, you know, got to that sort of hundred point pace last year, for sure. Uh, I believe they did the year before. I mean, this has turned into a good regular season team it's just they've got to be a great regular season team to exceed 100 points. I'm not fully confident that they will do that. I believe they're going to be a playoff team, but I feel like I'm just going to leave 99 and a half alone. I saw it at 97 and a half, and I took the over on that. I think, again, it's one and a half points. So I, I'd it's imagine big. you're it's big. Yeah, it's big. I'd imagine you're still probably taking the under on that. I don't know if that's. A I'm, big I'm leaving it. I'm leaving. You're leaving it. You're leaving it. Yeah, I'll take the over on Edmonton. I just look around. I don't think this is a very good division. Mike Smith 
who knows, right? What we're going to get with Mike Smith. He was unbelievable last year, 920 plus save percentage for Mike Smith. Nobody saw that coming. So maybe he repeats that. Probably not. But I still think they're a good enough team. The, the Duncan Keith trade, I wasn't a fan of, but very similar to the Flyers adding Ristolainen. I think it does help out their defense. And Tyson Berry, they were able to retain. And not that he brings much defensively, but he's at least someone you could put out there with some Let's that po- Helps that power play hum. And if that, that power plays hum and you can outscore some of your deficiencies. So exactly. it definitely helps. It's, it's yeah, it's totally a, a bet on the Oilers offense. And I do really like the Zach Hyman acquisition. I think as far as pure wingers, because we've seen McDavid and Dreisaitl play together. I think Hyman might be the most perfect line mate that you could have for a guy like Connor McDavid. He's a retriever. He is skilled with the puck on his stick. I'm not going to say he's a high-end talent, but he is competent when the puck is on his stick and he's got a nose for the net. So I just think all those things add up to a perfect, if you could design a McDavid line mate in a lab, it would look very similar to Zach Hyman. Yeah, I agree with you. So for that reason, I'm going to bet on Connor McDavid and not the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Hart Trophy, if you're giving me plus 200 or better on Connor McDavid to win the Hart Trophy, I'm probably going to take it for the next five to 10, maybe not 10 years, but at least the next five years. That's certainly going to interest me. So if I'm playing anyone for the Hart, it's going to be McDavid at plus 225. I'm just going to do it because if he stays healthy, I believe he's going to win it. If Edmonton makes the playoffs and he's healthy, the Hart Trophy should be his. He was robbed of it. When Taylor Hall won, he should have three. He only has two. (laughs) That's still in voters' minds. We deserve, we need to give him more because he deserves more Hart trophies. So I will always play that. It's chalky as all hell, but I will continue to play that. And I do, as I mentioned, have Leon Dreisaitl at plus 500 to win the Rocket. I actually don't have it yet. I'm I'm thinking about it. I think it's a a good way to play the Oilers is just, just bet on those two because if McDavid is playing Hyman with Hyman, He's obviously going to be in a better spot. He's always going to have Leon Dreisaitl on that power play. Dreisaitl is one of the best finishers in the league. If you play those guys, it's even money. Art Ross for Connor McDavid. You can even get rid of the narrative play because if he's healthy, he's going to have the most points in the league. Yeah. So I, I even feel like that at even money is a decent bet. Bet on Connor McDavid. Don't bet on the Oilers. I mean, we've got to learn our lesson by now, right? I'm with you. I think anytime you don't have to stress about Mike Smith, and that, and that, the better, like, I feel like anytime you can just relieve yeah. yourself. Oh, okay. I don't have to worry about the defense. I don't have to worry about the rest of the forward group outside of him, dry and, you know, a few other guys like Nuge and Hyman. I think the more you can relieve yourself of the rest of the Oilers and just look at the big guns. Again, I think McDavid, even at plus plus one twenty to win the art Ross, like you said, get away the narrative. You don't have to worry about some great story coming out of nowhere and winning the heart trophy from the grasp of Connor McDavid. So I I'm, I'm alongside you with the art Ross bet as well for McDavid. It, it's simple. You don't have to worry about for that one, the art Ross, you don't have to worry about the Oilers making the playoffs. It is no. just him. If he plays 82 games, he is going to win yeah. the art Ross trophy. There's really no one else who can even challenge. I don't think at this point, based on what we saw last year, Leon dry is the only one. And we know what, you know, we know how good Leon dry is but we know who makes that team go clearly yeah. it's Connor McDavid. It's number 97. So yeah. bet on the players. Don't bet on the Oilers. That's the uh, key takeout message here. Next up, I believe is the Seattle Kraken, believe it or not. 
at 92 and a half, they have better odds than the Canucks and the Flames and the Sharks and the Ducks and the Kings. Uh, I'm taking the under here. Uh, really, this is just a feeling. We don't have really anything to go on except what is a pretty decent depth chart in terms of what the, the roster looks like on paper. But you just accept, expect this to all fall into place again because it did with Vegas and because it looks pretty good on paper. I'm just not there. I don't believe as much in Philip Grubauer as an elite goaltender. I believe it was a situational thing and not him as an elite goaltender, as I, as I mentioned. So I think everything will have to go right for them to make the playoffs. 92 and a half implies that they're probably going to make the playoffs if they hit the over. And I just don't think Seattle's going to be there in year one, even though the, the division is bad. So I will take the under 92 and a half on the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, I saw it at 93 and a half and I'm in lockstep. I don't see how they go over on this total. As you mentioned, I already explained my thoughts on Philip Grubauer. I think he's an all right goalie. If you put him in the right circumstances, he can kind of be what we saw Corey Crawford be for the Chicago Blackhawks during their cup runs. No one's going to say that Corey Crawford is a, a first ballot Hall of Fame netminder, but he was good enough, got the Blackhawks to three Stanley Cup championships or two because it was uh, Anthony right. Miami who got yeah. them to the first. So good enough goalie to win a couple cups. But Grubauer, same thing. I thought that maybe he could get it done with the Avalanche. He didn't. I think there's a reason why they let him go. And I think it's because they saw a clear upgrade in Darcy Kemper. And now you put Grubauer behind not a bad defense with the Kraken. Like you said, the depth chart's not bad for Seattle, but it's not Colorado. It's not, it's not an avalanche looking depth chart. And I think he's going to take a step back from what we saw him produce last season. And just because Vegas did it doesn't mean the Kraken are going to come out and do it all of a sudden. I think it's a, it's a very ho-hum season. I could see them finishing 19th 18th but 93 and a half which is where i saw it at like you said that's a team pushing a playoff spot and i just don't see that out of seattle out of the gate no uh i do have them to miss the playoffs as, as well at minus 105 uh and my insurance play and this is the exact same thinking as gerard gallant but dave haxtell for jack adams is plus 2500 at the book i was looking at if they do have a remarkable season Again, the narrative is built in perfectly. I think there's value there. Certainly a better selection than Dean Evison, who is plus 250 <laughs> as opposed to plus 2,500. So I, I, if, if you're going to give yourself a little insurance, I think that Dave Haxtell, even though I don't believe in him necessarily as an elite coach, uh, he will be given credit if that team outshoots expectations to a degree, sort of like what the Vegas Golden Knights did. Yeah, that Dean Evison bet, you keep coming back to it. And I agree. <laughs> like the more I think about it, just the less sense it makes. Like realistically, what would the wild have to do for Dean Evison to win the Jack Adams? They would have to basically win the president's trophy. Exactly. I mean, you can't do the same thing and expect to get what you didn't get last year. Last year was no. the time that he deserved <laughs> it, I suppose. But uh, I don't know. I guess we shouldn't belabor the point too much. No. It seems like uh, maybe it's a wrong line. Maybe if you looked at your book, it would be better. But again, those lo if we're talking long shots, narrative plays, I mean, Dave Haxtell's right there. Easy. Yeah, Easy. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, what else do we got here in the Pacific Division? Been through the Oilers, Golden Knights, and Kraken. Hard to believe that two expansion teams in the last five to six years are the top three teams in that division. But that is the case because it's 
pretty dire after that. However, I do have a couple overs next. Uh, 90 and a half Flames, I'm playing the over. And 88 and a half on the Canucks, I'm playing the over. I think both these teams could could push for a playoff spot. I don't have the Kraken making it, so that opens up at least one spot and potentially two with the wild cards in play. I think the Flames dealt with a bit of an identity crisis last year under Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter's teams are never going to be pushing, you know, 110, but do they more routinely, more often than not, get more than 90 points? Yeah, they probably do more often than not because they play such a diligent and disciplined brand of hockey. I think it was a bit disjointed last year. I think they, you know, sort of built themselves a little bit more to that idea in the offseason, bringing in a guy like Blake Coleman, who can be a difference maker on that second line. So I think that they're just going to be a little bit better suited to play the style that they were trying to play at the back half of last year. So I've got the flames hitting the over, and this was a team that I believed in last year to be a threat to the North division title. So I already had some faith in them. And I think last year was a bit of an outlier and they'll have a much improved season and hit the over there. And with the Canucks, like I just can't ignore that top nine. It's a really, really exciting forward group there in Vancouver after all the moves that they made Quinn Hughes could have a better, should have a much better year. He was obviously a Calder Trophy candidate in his rookie season. It was right there with Kale McCarr. I think he can take another step forward or at least be closer to what he was in year one. You know, the Oliver ekman Larson move is definitely criticized in many circles. I just think that he can be a better defenseman than what they had previously there, even though he's overpaid. And I think Thatcher Demko can be one of the best goaltenders in the league. So I actually do like the Canucks to make the playoffs at, as well at plus 155. I think the Canucks and Flames are going to have pretty good seasons. Agree with everything you said about the Vancouver Canucks. I think they're going to be much better. They've got a good forward group. Ekman Larson, another one of these defenseman acquisitions where maybe they overpaid, maybe the deal wasn't great, but it's still better than what they had. On the Flames front, I am taking the under. I -hmm. saw it at 92 and a half. And the reason why I really like the under on this is Daryl Sutter, we all know, old school defense first coach. I don't think they have the defense to play that style. They lose Giordano. Say what you want about Giordano. Probably definitely on the back nine of his career, getting close to hole 18. So he's not the greatest uh, uh, or not the biggest of losses for that team, but they lost TJ Brody the off season the, before. And I just don't see who's coming in to supplement the lost blue liners on this team. I just don't think defensively they have the pieces to play the way Daryl Sutter wants. The offense can be fun. Kachuk, Goodrow, Bennett, or sorry, Monahan. Bennett's gone now in Florida, mm-hmm. but they've got the pieces offensively to be a fun hockey team. Goodrow, probably a bit of an overpay. Better suited on line three than line two, although he'll probably see a lot of his minutes on line two in Calgary. I just don't think defensively they're there. They've got some guys like Rasmus Dahlien and, or sorry, Rasmus Anderson and Noah Hannafin, but I'm still not sold on that team. And that'll probably be their top defense pairing, which is not a great number one pairing. No, it's not. But Chris Tanev is definitely serviceable. I think he had a great year. Yusuf Alamaki is a player that can definitely play and I, I believe the second pairing and be uh, be an impact player, Oliver Shillington, he might be able to take a step forward. Like I do think the pieces could be there for them. I, I wouldn't count out that defense score yet, especially if they're organized in the way that Daryl Sutter wants to organize them, which is to minimize mistakes and maybe not overextend themselves. 
Mark Giordano, I think we're going to find out real quick, right? We're going to find out if Calgary was right to put him out there and, and let him walk. Obviously, you know, they, they Seattle jumped at the opportunity to take him, but there's got to be a reason. You know, I, you mentioned it, hole 18. I think we're there. I think we're getting there pretty quickly. And they actually might be addition by subtraction there to a certain extent. They obviously didn't fill that gap with anyone of substance, but, but I just don't think they're going to take that big of a step back without Giordano, who is, as you mentioned, uh, reaching the end there now in Seattle. Um, so a little dissension there. Got a couple left on the board here, and we'll see if we have one more to uh, tussle over. I believe it's the Los Angeles Kings next at 84 and a half, which leaves the Sharks and Ducks. I took the over on the LA Kings. I think they're the best team in California. I think that's got to mean something. It's got to mean at least mediocrity. They obviously had a great offseason. They added a lot. They've got a great prospect system. Some of those guys are going to be bursting onto the scene. I just feel like they're going to get a little bit of a shot in the arm there in Los Angeles. And I think that's going to be good enough for 85 points. I've got no real strong conviction on this number for the LA Kings. I agree. I think that the influx of young and youthful talent is going to help this team out. It's going to give them a boost. I'm still a little nervous about the defense. I believe Drew Doughty's playing with Mikey Anderson. And Mikey Anderson definitely did not show himself as a top line defenseman last year with the nope. Kings. So still a little concerned. Doughty, that's one guy who I, I don't know if we gave him proper credit after last season, considering everything around him. The Kings were competing for a playoff spot as the season was kind of starting to dwindle down. They faded close to the end, but he had them in playoff contention. And I, I, I say he had them in playoff contention because he was doing so much work to make up for the deficiencies on that back end. Again, not a real strong conviction one way or the other for me. 85 sounds about right for the LA Kings. I, I'm not going to hate an over or under bet on them. I'll probably take an under just, just because I think they're an 85 point team, but if something goes wrong, they'll hit the under on it. So I'll take the under, but not uh, feeling great one way or the other. Going to be a difficult team to beat through the middle of the ice with Andre Kopitar and Phil Deneau, uh being their number one and number two defenseman and Quentin Byfield playing under them. That's a good duo to uh, have uh, Quentin Byfield watch from the bench um, for much of this year because those guys can obviously play a strong two-way brand of hockey. I, I do think that's going to that's gonna be worth something, but you're right. The, the issues on defense and perhaps in goal are, are certainly there for the Kings. Just think it's got to mean something to be the best team in California because I don't think the other <laughs> two teams have anything. I'm not going to bet the unders on either the Sharks or the Ducks. The Sharks are at 83 and a half. The Ducks at 71 and a half. I think there could be a play on the over for the Ducks. It's hard to be 71 point bad. They might be. Again, I don't have that strong of a conviction there. But if I was going to play anything on the Ducks, it would be the over. And I just don't have a lean either way on the San Jose Sharks. I think they're properly suited there at 83 and a half. Don't think they're a good team. I think they're a little bit blinded by the fact that they're, well, not blinded by the fact, just a little delusional because I think they feel like they're better than they are. And I feel like it's a team that's going to be selling off by the end of the season. That might mean being an under 83 and a half, but maybe they're just going to, you know, try to, sell as many seats as they can and try and keep things on the rails, but it's just not going to work for them in that division. I don't think 83 and a half is a pass for me on the sharks, the ducks 71 and a half is a pass for me for now, but I think I might end up playing a little over on, uh, on the ducks because that is a very, very low number. Yeah. I like the ducks on the over. I just think you can get 
value in this team if two things go right. If Jamie Drysdale can show that he's a top four defenseman, then you've got a good defense pairing in Cam Fowler and Drysdale. That's not a bad duo. And if Trevor Zegras, who wasn't bad last year, he had 13 points in 24 games, takes a step forward this season, now you're talking about having a legitimate number one, number two center. It'll all depend on how they sort that out because it gets laughed is still there. And you have Zegras run and shop on either the first or second line. So I think if Zegras takes a step forward and Drysdale proves he can be a number four or a top four defenseman, now you've got some things going your way. Gibson's not a bad goalie. The yeah. offense will look a little bit better. There's a lot of good young players, Isaac Lundstrom, Sam Steele, Maxime Comtois, and uh, not Ricard Raquel. Uh, no, Comtois was the guy I was thinking. I've already said him. But yep. I think if you look at that offense, there's some good, enticing young talent that if they do take a step forward this year, they should be able to blow by 71 and a half. They'll be competing. Those are guys that are competing for roster spots and competing for spots on the depth chart. I think the Sharks, or excuse me, the Ducks hit over on 71 and a half. Yep, uh, I'm probably going to be adding that one. So uh, you're going to twist my arm on the Flyers and the Ducks so far on overs. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, 71 is so low. It's it's going to be, t- there's winnable games in that division for sure. Again, it's not all inside the division. I have to keep reminding myself of that. But uh, it, it, 71 is low. 71 is Coyote low. And I definitely mm-hmm. think they're going to be better than the Arizona Coyotes. Um, what do you want to do next? You want to do awards and then go into Stanley Cup and division? Or uh, you want to go the other way around there? Let's do awards. I feel like we've hinted at a lot of the, the award stuff. So we'll get that out of the way. And then we'll reveal, you know, the big, the grand old Stanley Cup winner after that. Okay, let's start with the Hart Trophy, because I think it might be somewhat quick. Obviously, Connor McDavid is the overwhelming favorite for the Hart Trophy. I've got him at two plus 250 or plus 225, depending on your book. Again, we've went through the rationale. If he's healthy, he's probably going to be the Art Ross winner. If the Oilers make the playoffs, he's probably going to be, at worst, a coin flip to win the Hart Trophy. So I will continue to ride with Connor McDavid for the Hart Trophy. And if I did have a long shot, Alexander Barkov at plus 2,200 is the best one I can come up with. I think the Panthers could be in the, in the running for the President's Trophy. And I think he's, you know, he's obviously their best player. He's one of the best players in the league. He doesn't get enough credit but you can't deny him if he puts up a monster offensive season, continues to be a dominant defensive player while doing it, and the Florida Panthers have a 110-plus point season and take home some hardware. So Barkov at plus 2,200 might be a sprinkle for me, but I am locked in at Connor McDavid for the Hart Trophy. I'm going to blow your mind with this number I got on Alexander Barkov, and I'll tell you after the show where I got it. I got plus 5,400. Come on. on Alexander Barkov to win the Hart Trophy. Jonathan Huberto had better odds at plus 5,000 to win it. So yeah, I don't know. You're, you're going to have to tell me where you got that yeah. because I will, I will be checking in. <laughs> because I don't know how you could put or price Huberto ahead of Barkov. These things, they look at centers, really. That's the, you know, you get bonus points for playing center. Just yeah. all, all things considered equal, they'll favor the center over the winger. So, I really like Barkov there. Uh, Panarin is another one. I don't hate either at plus 1500 because Mm -hmm. if the Rangers make the playoffs, that's probably the guy who's going to get a lot of credit. It's a big market that that could definitely play into voting as well. Additionally, 
I don't hate Crosby. I saw him at plus 4,600 at one spot. And it's easy to forget because of how dominant McDavid was last year. But Crosby finished fourth in the voting for the Hart Trophy last season. He really propelled the Pittsburgh team that missed Evgeny Malkin for a lot of the year. And a Pittsburgh team that really outside of that first line, not that great. So if Crosby has another big triumphant season, there's certainly value to be had, I think, at plus 4,600 with Sydney. Yeah, as I scan the board, I'm seeing it at plus 4,000. I mean, we definitely had the same ones pop into our heads here. As I was, I was thinking about Crosby as well, or at least mentioning him. But I feel like the odds imply that this wrist thing, the surgery he had, might miss a couple weeks, might miss a month, maybe impacted for several months. Obviously, that's speculation, obviously, but might be something that the books are taking into account. But Sidney Crosby is still one of the top five players in the league for me. He's going to be in that discussion every year. Uh, well, not every year, but for, for the next couple of years, at least. I just think he he can't compare to McDavid right now. He's going to have to do something heroic while Connor McDavid uh, probably not, not flops because he's not going to flop, but the Oilers don't make the playoffs or he gets injured. I think that's probably the only avenue, but at plus 4,600, that's a decent bet, certainly. Uh, I love Barkov at plus 5,600. I'm going to have to, as I mentioned, get that from you. Uh, until we get a sponsor on here, I mean, we, we can't really – we can mention your book if you uh, throw it plus 5,600 and let us know, and you know, we'll, we'll give you some free advertising, yeah, exactly. especially if yeah. you're giving out those lines <laughs> like that. Uh, let's go to the Vesna Trophy. I already mentioned that I'm playing Saros and Shestyurkin at plus 3,400 and plus 1,900, respectively but I am going to add Connor Hellebuck at plus 900 because I think he is unlike the other two, just like automatically in the conversation, given that he's one of the best goaltenders in the world year after year. I just think those odds are way better than you would get from say Andre Vasilevsky, who I believe is around plus 400 plus 450 and is going to be playing for a team that might not have the same sort of drive from a night to night basis as the Winnipeg Jets might, might not be scrap scratching and clawing for a postseason position like the Winnipeg Jets might be. Connor Hellebuck's conditions have improved dramatically this, this summer with the additions of Dylan and Schmidt. And I think Connor Hellebuck could bag his second career Vesna trophy and a plus 900. I'm all over it. The only goalie that I really have a play on for the Vesna trophy. I really didn't love the numbers when I was looking over them. Darcy Kemper, a plus 900. Mm-hmm. I just think if Philip Grubauer could be turned into a Vesna candidate because of the strength of this avalanche defense, I don't see why Darcy Kemper can't. Since the start of the 2017-18 season, Darcy Kemper's 921 save percentage is the exact same number as Andre Vasilevsky. And that is a Yotes team that is not nearly as talented as what he's going to be playing with as far as the talent on the Colorado Avalanche. I think he is a legitimate number one goalie who will now have the right conditions and will get the right recognition because you're just not going to get it on the Yotes. They can't even get recognized by the city of Glendale. (laughs) You're not going to get it from national media when you're Darcy Kemper and you're stopping 37 of 39 and, and taking L's because your team can't score more than two goals. So I like Kemper in Colorado at plus 900. 
well, we've talked, we was talking about ways to play the avalanche, right? Ways to be invested in the Colorado avalanche. I think that is one of the better ways to be invested in the Colorado avalanche. I'm seeing it at plus 1200. I think I'll be playing that when we get off just because, you know, there's, there's a good possibility. I mean, the conditions are there, as you mentioned, there's no better environment to play goaltender than in the Colorado avalanche's crease right now. Philip Grubauer, obviously the beneficiary of that to get a big contract with the expansion Kraken. I think the same thing could happen to Darcy Kemper, who also will be playing for the opportunity to potentially represent Canada at the Olympics, be it a second or third goaltender. Uh, it'll be maybe tough sledding in that it, in that case. But if you're in the Vesna conversation, if Marc-Andre Fleury is sputtering, if Carey Price is not himself, clearly Carey Price is going to be there. But Darcy Kemper could potentially be either the second or third goaltender for Canada. It'll give him something extra to play for, for what could be the best team in the National Hockey League, the Colorado Avalanche. That leads us to the Calder Trophy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit, but I'm a bit of a Calder Trophy whisperer. I think I've got it right the last four, three or four years. Uh, I've got my Calder Trophy bets right now. That's maybe not saying that much. Kaprizov, Pedersen, missing one, one or two. Either way, these guys have been certainly um, maybe not chalky, but maybe not you know outlandish picks. They've been pretty, a lot of sharps have been on it, or a lot of people who know the game have been on these guys. But this year, it seems a little bit more difficult because we have two guys who are at the top of the board in Cole Caulfield and Trevor Zegras, who we've seen play a lot of hockey in the NHL. Caulfield, most of it coming in the postseason. Zegras becoming just one game short of eligibility, I believe, or rookie eligibility. I guess he was one game to spare for his rookie eligibility. Uh, but those two are the overwhelming favorites. I believe Zegras is at even money. And I think the odds have shifted a little bit and Cole Caulfield might be or no, it wouldn't be even money. I think plus 200 for Zegras and maybe like plus 220 around there for Cole Caulfield. I think Caulfield's the better play there. I think he's going to get a lot of recognition. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. And I think he's going to be a lot better than he actually was in the postseason for Montreal. Obviously, he had some big moments, but it seemed like he was maybe just, you know, a touch behind or a touch. Uh, it just seemed like he was a bit off in terms of like truly harnessing that elite scoring capability that he has maybe the puck bouncing over his stick or him being just slightly out of position I think he cleans up a lot of that throughout the course of the regular season and scores a lot of goals I think Zegers could be the point point guy I think he could have the most production just because he's going to be so important to the offense in Anaheim but I think the goals will be there for Caulfield and the points will be there for Zegers and if I'm going to split between what I think is kind of a coin flip I will take Cole Caulfield but I'm also going to play uh, Spencer Knight plus 800. If he just becomes the undisputed number one for Florida and they get, as we mentioned, 100 plus points, maybe win a President's Trophy, maybe be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, if not the President's Trophy winners, I think he can get a lot of recognition. And the only real value on the board I see is that Spencer Knight number at plus 800. What a nightmarish, I guess it wouldn't be a nightmare, but what a bad look on the Panthers it would be if by, what is this, year three of the Bobrovsky contract? He's already <laughs> been supplanted by Spencer Knight, who was yeah. on the team when they made that move, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. They had already drafted oh, yeah. him yeah. when they made that signing of Bobrovsky. He's been outplayed by Chris Drieger. Now he's going to lose his job to a rookie goalie. It would not look good, but... I, I agree. I think it's more of a, a two-horse race between Caulfield and Zegras, and I'm actually going to go Zegras. Mm -hmm. 
I think with Cole Caulfield playing in Montreal, especially off the heels of a Stanley Cup appearance, there's going to be heightened expectations. And I feel like media perception plays into these awards that are voted on a lot. And if Montreal isn't meeting expectations, like I expect them to finish under on their team total and Caulfield struggles, that could be a hit as far as Caulfield's overall appeal for the Calder Trophy. There, there's no expectations for the Ducks. They 71 and a half total on team totals. Zegras can do whatever he wants. All he's got to do is rack up points. He's going to get a lot of recognition. If he wins the point race, he wins the Calder, in my opinion. And I think that is why I side with Trevor Zegras over Cole Caulfield. It is close. And I do think it's more so a two-horse race, although Knight's probably the best value of the three. I think realistically you're looking at these two being number one and number two at the end of the year. That was my justification where I'm seeing it as even money for Zegers. And I, I just feel like that's a, that, that might be a misprint. That just seems kind of crazy. And it doesn't seem like the odds actually line up. I mean, we're seeing an even money, a plus 200, a plus 300 on Lucas Raymond, a plus 250 on Morris Sider. That doesn't seem evenly dispersed for me. So maybe that's just a misprint. Um, a plus 400 for Alex Newhook. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's value on any player there. No. So maybe I'm going to have to chop around a little, chop around a little bit on the Calder to make sure. But uh yeah, the only one that seems like, okay, that's worth a stab is uh, Spencer Knight. And you have to feel one way or the other on either Caulfield or Zegras to play that because the odds are just not that good uh, where I'm seeing it at least. But if you get plus 200 on Zegras, I think that's certainly uh, – you could do worse because it seems like a cold, uh, coin flip thing and you'd be, uh, you wouldn't be losing money in that scenario. Um, let's do the Norris next. I know you got hot takes on the Norris, so I will let you go first – uh, or I'll let you just go right into your rationale. And I'll just say, I've got Kale McCarr because I think he's going to win multiple over the next couple of years. So if you give me plus 400 plus, plus 500, I'm probably going to go there. Cause I think he's the undisputed best defenseman in the NHL right now. And I think he will be properly acknowledged for that in the next five years, uh, at least a couple of times. So I got Kale McCarr, as long as the odds are where it's at, I feel like that's the only way I can really go. And as far as long shots, I, I really don't have anyone that sticks out to me, but I'll, I'll, uh, hopefully you'll, uh, give me something to play here. Yeah, I've got a couple of guys that I'm eyeing for the Norris Trophy with a little bit longer odds. I'll start off with the guy who I think has the easiest path to win the Norris Trophy because he only needs one thing to happen in order for him to win the Norris Trophy, and that's Dougie Hamilton. He Mm. just needs to take the Taylor Hall Hart Trophy path to win the Norris Trophy. If the New Jersey Devils make the playoffs, I don't think it's going to happen, but I've been wrong before. So if the New Jersey Devils make the playoffs, I think so much praise is going to be heaped onto Dougie Hamilton, who is a very good defenseman. I just think that he has the clearest path. If they make the playoffs, New Jersey, he wins the Norris Trophy. And you can get him. I've seen him anywhere between like plus 2,000 to plus 2,200. So you can get pretty good odds on Dougie Hamilton winning the Norris Trophy. Again, he's finished top 10 in voting three of the last five years. So he's gotten some recognition as far as the votes go. And then the other guy I really like as far as a longer type of odds player is Miro Heiskanen at plus 1600. I think the upgrade in playing with Ryan Suter over Jamie Alexiak is not being talked about enough. I think that 
mm. is a massive upgrade for Miro Heiskanen, who at times I think has had to babysit Jamie Alexiak on that defense pairing. I think he has not been able to play with a legitimate top four defenseman in his career, and he's not going to have to worry about making up for Ryan Suter's mistakes. Ryan Suter is as perfect of a defense partner as you can pair Miro Heiskanen with. Suter will allow Heiskanen to play his game freely, whether it's taking more offensive risks, because we've seen Heiskanen really hone in on his defensive game in the early stages of his career, mainly because he hasn't had a defense partner that can compensate him for the risks that he maybe wants to take, but can't. So having Suter back there paired with Heiskanen, I think we're going to see another level from Heiskanen. Another reason why I'm high on this Dallas Stars team is I think they finally have a complete top four on defense and Heisken is the biggest beneficiary. The Dougie Hamilton one is interesting because I think your rationale is correct. If he could get them into the playoffs, it would be the Taylor Hall route and be a justifiable one. But we've also seen, I think last year in particular with this award, a lot of like influence online. I don't think Adam Fox would have won the award. And I'll just say without Dom decisions tweet, his what he called a shit post. I don't think the I think that swayed the voters, honestly. I think Victor Hedman was going to win and he really drew attention. And a lot of people jumped on it and drew attention to the the season that Adam Adam Fox had. And it swayed a lot of voters. And I think there could be a similar sort of, hey, Dougie Hamilton, look what he's doing, sort of uh movement uh that could help, you know, it go from let's say a Victor Hedman to a Dougie Hamilton or something along those lines. I actually think that the, the, this is the Norris is one of the, the categories that is most contentious and most, you know, it, it, I, I have the beholder type of thing where it's how you view the game. And I think the way we're viewing the game is shifting a little bit. And for Adam Fox to win the Norris trophy, I think that had to happen. So it'll be interesting to see if there is sort of a, a similar race that plays out. And I think Dougie Hamilton could certainly be involved in that race and, and is a pretty decent bet at that. As I scan the board quickly, the only other ones that jumped out to me, Jacob Chikrin's a brilliant defenseman at plus 3,300. If something, if somehow it went really well in Arizona, I think you could make an argument there because he could have a brilliant season and be pretty much, or the, the Coyotes can't have a brilliant season. They could have a respectable season and he'd be the one driving those results. And Darnell Nurse, I mean, that we're going away from this, obviously, but he put up a ton of goals. He has a chance to put up a ton of goals again, and he's going to have to be Hercules for the Edmonton yeah. Oilers on that defense score based on how it's uh, set up. If they exceed 100 points and he's really good as he was last year or even better than he was last year, potentially be in the conversation at plus 4,000. So a couple like long shots I probably won't play, but at least ones that at least jumped out to me as I look things over in real time. The only things that bother me about Chikrin and Nurse is you have two defensemen that I don't think can have better years than the ones they had last year. Like Chikrin led the league as far as defensemen in goals. And yeah. I think they, were they number one and number two, those two? Number one year? and number two. And there Darnell Nurse was number two, and he was a complete workhorse on the back end for Edmonton, a defense that has gotten slightly better in the offseason. I wouldn't say their leaps and bounds better, uh, but it's got, it got slightly better. And he was logging 25 plus minutes a night for the Oilers. Like he, he really can't do much more. And the only thing I see, uh, one thing I, that did stand out was at least where I was shopping, Tyson Berry had better Norris trophy odds than Darnell Nurse. And I think that's that shows crazy. that 
yeah, that shows that there is some value with Nurse. But with those two guys, I just don't see how they could be better and get the recognition that they didn't get last year. Rocket Richard, obviously Austin Matthews is the reigning champion. He is the odds leader at plus 400 at what I'm seeing. I'm not going to play that because, you know, maybe, maybe it is justifiable at plus 400. Those aren't egregious odds. It's certainly not even money like it is for Trevor Zegras, at least on my book, to win the Calder Trophy. So maybe I'm going to have to re- rethink that. But the wrist injury worries me. But he played with it all last year and just didn't stop putting the puck in the back of the net. Obviously played against the North division, which might've been the best conditions to put up a year like that. But maybe we, you know, I think he's a justifiable favorite and plus 400 might actually be decent considering he's playing in Toronto has a ton of attention and those numbers tend to get steamed. So maybe we will see even worse numbers at that uh, for Austin Matthews to win the call or the rocket Richard moving forward here. Dry at plus 500 is interesting, but Miko Rantanen, as, as I mentioned, is a bet for me at plus 1200. I think he could have a huge year uh, and compete for it. And he's, you know, we're in the plus 1200 range, I think is a little bit of value there. The one number that stood out to me was David Pasternak at plus 1300, where I saw mm-hmm. it. I just think Boston's going to have to lean more on that top line than they have in the past. Now the Krejci's gone. They, there really isn't someone waiting in the wings to step up and take over and at least replicate that production we saw from Krejci. They made additions like Eric Halla, Nick Foligno, but I don't think Nick Foligno at this stage of his career is where even Krejci was, who was getting older as well. So I think Boston's going to have to lean on that top line even more. And Pasternak is as proven as a goal-scoring talent as there is in the league. He was right there two years ago with Matthews and Ovechkin for the goal-scoring title. So I think Pasternak plus 1,300, that's a nice number. Nikita Kucherov uh, uh, also interesting at plus 1,200 that I'm seeing. Ovechkin just for uh, consideration as at plus 1,000. I don't see that for Ovi anymore. I feel like there's too many young guns and young lines that are putting the puck in the net. Uh, But I, I might have to revisit the Rocket because it seems like there's some value out there. You can play three or four of them. And, you know, pretty, might be able to come out on top, but just so you could stagger the prices a little bit, you could play one unit on each and maybe come out ahead if you're pretty strong with like a group of two or three or four uh, to win the Rocket Richard. I went through my Jack Adams, Gerard Gallant, oh, and Dave Haxtall. I also have Paul Maurice because I think the Jets can have a big year and he is another guy that writers love, Paul Maurice. So those three at plus 2,500 each, I think those are worth some some small stabs that could pay off in a big way. Yeah, I'm going with Dean Evison at plus two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I can't even say that with a straight face. That was pretty time. good. That was pretty. Uh, that was good deadpan from you. Yeah, thank you. I tried uh, uh, acting. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, no, I'm with you, Gerard Gallant plus twenty five hundred. I just think that makes the most sense. The narrative is built in New York, New York. What more do you want? He gets this Rangers team that's gotten a lot of buzz into the postseason. He's a a leader of young men. The Rangers, they get to the playoffs. That's all I think Gerard Gallant needs to do. And uh, yeah, I think there's he'll get sympathy votes too from from people voting just because, like you mentioned, he was, you know, rightfully or wrongfully casted aside. It wasn't Florida Panthers fashion where they left him at the arena with no ride home and he had to get his own way of transportation back. But it was still kind of a shocking move by the Vegas Golden Knights when they let him go. And 
I just don't think there's really much more that needs to be said. Gerard Gallant, that's, I think that's the, the only number that really spoke to me when I looked at the, the numbers. I'm, I'm not, uh, I shouldn't be giving anyone advice on gambling in terms of like, not etiquette, but like, you know, just things you should avoid, traps, whatever. Playing Jack Adams minus or below like plus 500 odds, don't do that. It's, it's so much, <laughs> no. it's a crapshoot. Take a couple stabs deep in the board, a couple narrative plays. That's the only way I think you're going to make any money. If John Tortorella, you know, every five years, he might be able to win it if he's coaching. And then the other four years will be the worst coach in the league. You just kind of find your spots. Don't get married to a number because like there's no justifiable reason for some. Uh, I did look at uh, Sheldon Keefe, I think was plus 1800. I don't know if that's a terrible bet, but what I did play, and this is contrary or runs counter to Sheldon Keefe being in that uh, um, conversation for best coach in the league. I actually did play a small bet on the Maple Leafs to miss the playoffs at plus 700. Very small. Interesting. It's, yeah. it's a tough division. It's a tough conference. I think there's a possibility that don't, they don't make it small at plus 700. I mean, it's better than a bet on them to win the Stanley cup for me. Essentially what you need for that to come through is Austin Matthews, not really recovering from this wrist surgery or, or the, at least the ramifications of it linger throughout the season and the defense just kind of falls apart in the goaltending. There's a lot, there's still a lot of question marks between the pipes between Jack Campbell, who we haven't seen do this for a full season, at least as a one a, because that's what he's going to be in Toronto. He's the one a with Peter Morazic probably slotting in as that one B. So I don't think given the plus 700 odds, I like that. And Keith, I don't like a plus 1800 though, because what more can Keith do than what's already been done? the Leafs win the regular season is anyone gonna is anyone gonna throw a parade or gonna rank up a statue for Sheldon Keith oh maybe maybe not sports writers but maybe a parade maybe a parade (laughs) yeah I did mention parade and it'll be planned planned. yeah it'll be planned but yeah with Sheldon Keith I don't think there's much more he can accomplish in the regular season the Leafs won't surprise anybody if they're a good regular season team it's kind of the expectation especially when your team totals over 100 points so that's the, why I would shy away a little bit from Keith, even at plus 1800. Another random leaf one. And we're, we're going to get, we're going to wrap it up soon, but another random leaf one, Mitch Marner, Art Ross plus 2000. If Connor McDavid did get injured, Mitch Marner has been consistently around the top five. I believe that is a one that would actually have a chance. If something did go, you know, doomsday scenario happened in Edmonton. I think that may be worth a stab. I don't know if I'll play it, but it's just one that stuck out for me because you can't really have an Art Ross discussion with Connor McDavid being clearly, if he's healthy, going to win it. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that number, though, with Mitch Marner. He's a consistent point producer. We talk about this all the time. Maybe not the most complete player on the ice. Definitely he's taken a lot of criticism from the Maple Leafs fan base this offseason, but he puts up points. He plays with the best goal scorer in the NHL, if not one of the best at worst. So I, I, I don't see why his number should be anything higher. What did you say? Plus 2,200? I, I should be. Plus 2,000, I think. Plus yeah. 2,000? It'll, be, it'll think, be different in other areas for sure. Yeah. Other books. Yeah. I don't think it should be that high. So I think that's a good number. Okay. Let's quickly wrap up with our division and our, you know, if you have division, if you have conference, if you have president's trophy, if you have Stanley cup, I'm sure you have a couple Stanley cups. I will run through mine quickly. I've already mentioned a few of them. I've got the New York Islanders to win the Metro at plus 300 to win the Eastern conference that includes the playoffs. So going to the Stanley cup final 
plus 860 and to win the Stanley Cup plus 2100. Also have the Panthers to win the Atlantic Division at plus 440. You have a better number on that, I believe, at plus 550. And I've got the Golden Knights to win the President's Trophy at plus 520. And for the other two Stanley Cup futures I have or are considering, I've only got the Islanders right now. I'm considering the Golden Knights, even though I don't love the number, at plus 700, and the Florida Panthers to win the Stanley Cup at plus 2,000, getting Aaron Eckblad back, getting Sam Wright and Sam Reinhardt into the fold, having maybe a dominant netminer waiting in the wings and Spencer Knight and no reason not to use him. I, I feel like the Panthers are going to be in that conversation. If there's going to be a team that beats the Lightning, I think it's either going to be Tampa or it's going to be either, sorry, Florida or the New York Islanders. So I'm invested in those two. Think it's going to be hard to win three straight Stanley Cups. So the Golden Knights, Panthers, and Islanders are really the three teams that I have in terms of division, conference, and Stanley Cup. For division, in the Central Division, if you want to take a couple of long shots, it really looks like this is the... Uh, excuse me, the Colorado Avalanches division. But if you want to take a couple of long shots, I got Dallas plus 1,000, Winnipeg plus 1,600. Colorado's probably going to be the best regular season team in that division. Atlantic, tough, Florida, yeah. yeah, Atlantic, Florida plus 550. We mentioned the Cats a ton on this show. Love them. Flyers plus 650. Uh, for the Pacific division, Vegas minus 175. I think you just got to kind of pay up in yeah. that division. I, it is what it is. The number is only going to get worse. I don't see, I don't see that dipping at the plus money at any point of this season. So take it while you can get it. And for Stanley cup, I got the Panthers. I've seen it anywhere between plus 1700 to plus 2200. They pushed the bolts to six games. They looked like a, a competent team. And as you mentioned, without their number one defenseman in Aaron Eckblad. So, and I just have full faith in Bill Zito because he should have won GM of the year last year with what he was able to do, considering the parts he brought in and what he got out of guys like Carter for Hagee. I also have the stars in the Stanley cup or to win the cup. Plus I've seen anywhere between plus 3000 to plus 3,300. I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, I love the suitor edition, healthy Tyler Sagan, I think makes a big difference and they've got depth at all three positional groups. So give me Dallas at a pretty long shot odd there at plus 3000. All right, so you got the Panthers and Stars, and I've got the Panthers, Islanders, and Golden Knights. Again, I don't know if I'll play the Golden Knights. Plus 700 is not great for Stanley Cup odds, but you know we're talking about these divisions. We believe they're going to win their division. They should be able to get through their division in the postseason. That puts them into Final Four territory, and you can hedge out from there if you really feel compelled to do that. So I think the Golden Knights are still a decent bet at plus 700. That pretty much wraps it. Um, yeah. Interesting that we have a lot in common. The Panthers, I think uh, at least the market's still sleeping on them. I think you and I will both be cheering for them throughout the course of the regular season because we seem to be pretty invested in them. Uh, Stevie, you're going to be doing some stuff for us all year long. Obviously, you've been doing it for us for quite a while now. I know you can't share everything, but let us know what you're doing this year, what you're going to be doing for us and for yourself on your own channel uh, with the time that we have left. And then we'll uh, bid farewell here. I'll be doing the regular fantasy hockey stuff. You know, the waiver ads on Monday, on Friday, I'll be doing my 10 takeaways and going to mix in some DFS coverage as well. Not a clear plan yet on that, but there will be as far as what I know, some DFS coverage. And then I'll be running late night hockey back this year. I haven't decided on the night's configuration for that. Last year it was Wednesdays and Saturdays. 
I haven't decided yet which nights. It's probably going to still be Saturday, but the night throughout the week, that is still TBD, but I'll be mm-hmm. running back late night hockey as well. Awesome. Late night hockey was uh, fun to be a part of last year and fun to watch. He is Steven Sahoyas, Stevie Buckets to me, but you can follow him <laughs> on Twitter at Steven Sahoyas. Not just hockey. If you need fantasy football advice on Sundays, he is the man to go to. Stevie, Stevie Buckets, Stevie the Greek, Steven Sahoyas. Appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, anytime, Justin. Thanks so much for having me. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.